You know if you uh, go to vacation over the weekend and you forgot to take your garbage out? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what the garbage starts to smell like. Yeah. It, it tastes like the way garbage Don't sniff smells. it. Just do it. Don't sniff it. Just do it. Don't sniff it. Just do it. That is hands on the worst thing I've ever tasted. Don't sniff it. Just do it. Don't sniff it. Just do it. Don't sniff it. Just do it. Uh, let's get ready to All right, this is like uh, the, when, when we're recording this, it'll be October by then, right? Will it? When, it's rec- when we're recording this, it'll be October. Well, I mean, when we post it, it'll be October, yes, right? there you go. All right, so um, uh, we actually, this is uh, You Watch, I Listen, episode 21. Um, our, our show can drink now. Yeah, we can drink now, um, and we had some good news this week. Um, it was, the Sunday was actually like really cool for me. Um, I got to see the Dolphins win, obviously, but then I actually see our, our Twitter account was suddenly back. Um, which is really cool. I mean, I like I said, I put in an appeal every day, and if you um, weren't listening when it happened, we got ba- our Twitter account at you watch I listen got banned for no reason. They said that we were trying to evade permanent suspension, which would make sense if it was my personal account because I did do that. But this podcast did nothing wrong. That page did nothing wrong, and it was like almost two months ago that they banned us. I think. Yeah, it, I completely forgot we had a Twitter. Account, yeah, honestly. like two months, and I kind of I was converting my personal one into being the podcasting, and that started getting a following. And then all of a sudden, like literally ten minutes after the Dolphins game was over, I look and our Twitter account is back. And they, they're literally, it was on the appeal I filed on Friday, because I filed an appeal every single day. And um, thankfully, um, we did lose a bunch of followers in the process when we got the account back, but I'm assuming it was other people that got purged when Twitter just decided to dump everyone that may have done something Twitter's at some point. Great. Yeah, it's great. great. I told you uh, last night, I think we should just delete all social media. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And I, as and much I, as, as I'm much a little as, sarcastic about that, but I honestly think social media... It's been a poison pill in society, like a slow pill. It honestly could have been one of the great inventions, and it instead just, it brought out the worst of everyone. They gave people too much. Like, when you look at back, like, when it was on MySpace, and the most you could do was, like, a bulletin and change your top eight. Like, remember the bulletins with the dumb surveys? That made sense. And sure, we're a little hypocritical here, because we both use Facebook. I mean, I use Twitter way more active than you. Oh, you love social media. I I use Facebook just to, like, hey, I'm eating nachos today. Exactly. I love it for obvious reasons, but um, on Facebook, I just got in trouble. Let me show you this picture. So someone did one of those things, post the 13th picture in your camera roll. Oh, is Um, it the one that... You did on Facebook, or is it a different one? It was on Facebook, but someone posted it, and then I posted, this was the 13th picture on my phone. It was some Asian kid um, with his, he's like buffalo billing, and you could see his bush, but they're like trying to light it on fire, and then it's, but it's censored. You can't see any genitals, correct? No, but a kid's being lit on fire. <laughs> but they said I think I, that's actually the problem. They, so, it's, so, no, they gave me a two-day ban from posting. On Twitter? Yeah, on Facebook, on Facebook. A two-day ban from posting on Facebook because I posted nudity. And I'm like, that's not fucking nudity. Like, I don't see any dicker balls. See, I actually don't think the nudity is a problem with it. I think it's a fact. A kid is being lit on yeah, fire. Yeah, you know what? If it said, you... <laughs> they they, they made you for the wrong to, reason. We have, to, um, we have to block your account for two days because you posted a video or a picture of a kid getting set on fire. Um, so again, uh, welcome to episode 21 of You Watch, I Listen. Uh, a couple few quick shout-outs. Um, shout-out to Lobo Sound, our buddies at Lobo Sound. Check them out at lobosound.com. If you want the Bobo EP, time is running out to get that one because the Christmas EP should be dropping pretty soon. Um, I've heard a little taste of it. I don't know if you have, Ralph. Um, it is special. 
he hasn't sent me that, but I've been getting uh, frequent updates yeah, about it's, it. Yeah, um, it's very, it sounds very, very good, so go check them out at lobosound.com. Vin- uh, Vince, literally, as soon as we post a show, whatever, however long the show is, say the show is 90 minutes, 91 minutes after we post it, he, go, he gives me, these are all the reasons why dance sucks, <laughs> these are the reasons why oh, you're Oh, he good. does the opposite for me, so yeah. that's cool. <laughs> He's playing both sides of the fence. Uh, <laughs> I'd be shocked if he didn't. <laughs> that's the right way to do it. Um, a shout out to our buddies at uh, Fudge and Fins, Shots for Like podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, bros and broads, and genders of all shapes, sizes, and colors, we're here to tell you about our favorite drunken podcast, Fudge and Fins, hashtag Shots for Like podcast. Fudge and Finn and their friends come to the studio to talk sports, video games, movies, TV, and of course have a few drinks to get loose. The hashtag Shots for Like podcast is available on all podcast platforms, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play Music. Follow them on Twitter at Shots for Like, on Instagram at Shots for Like Podcast, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Shots for Like Podcast. The longer you wait to listen, the more shots you're going to have to take on your own. Don't drink alone. Drink with them. And we will be drinking with the hashtag Shots for Like Podcast this Friday, October 5th. I'm very excited to finally get on with those guys. I got a lot of uh, good feedback from my live read. I got every detailed wrong, but they said I know what show it was. The Shot for Shots show. Yeah, yeah you, you gave some random obscure podcast. It's probably like a conspiracy theory podcast. A guy like in his basement with five followers, and one of them's Alex Jones. Yo, speaking of uh, conspiracies, uh, a few nights ago, I couldn't sleep, so I just listened to old Art Bell clips. Oh, God. And they're like 25 years old, and each one's like, in the next three years, there's going to be a reveal. And I'm like, okay, so 1997, and nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened. I mean, I go back and listen to old old Marge shot clips usually <laughs> to see what she had to say about things because she was very socially conscious. Yeah. <laughs> very smart dog woman. shit on the whole plate. <laughs> Didn't care if Harold Reynolds was stepping in it or anything. She, uh, she was a <laughs> lovely lady. <laughs> All right, so why don't we jump into our reviews for last week? Yeah. Um, I you want me to go first? Or? Yeah, you can okay. go first. So last week, um, the album, the the I listen that you gave me you gave was Tragic Kingdom, um, right? No Doubts Tragic yeah. Kingdom, really their first big album. Uh, a friend of ours, um, Brad Dudes, um, actually I was talking about it yesterday. He said that's one of his favorite albums of the '90s, which I was not expecting him to say. But he actually has a very refined music taste. Um, I so it. right off the bat, I really really enjoyed this album. I did have some issues because I think it's a little uneven. I yeah, think, oh, I, yeah, think I think it's very front-loaded. The first like 10 songs on the album I think are great besides one or two, but there's a few on here. Um, specifically, my favorite song was Different People. Yeah, That different. is the best song. Um, it's, it's really weird because they, they were popular when this album came out, but... In the late 90s to early mid-2000s is when it became like a, a crossover from that scene to a pop, pop. I guess you could say. I always forget that they start as like a ska band. Yeah, and when you hear it, you're like, holy shit, this is no doubt. Because then you think about like Hella Good and stuff, and when it just, they lost that, that sound that they... Hella would... Good may be one of the worst songs by a good band ever. Yeah, I mean... It's like honestly, Beverly Hills for Weezer, just what were you thinking? Exactly, and at least with Weezer, like, the, the video was kind of mocking itself being with like the Muppets and the and the Playboy Mansion. No, no, that wasn't. Um, that was that was Keep Fishing. I thought that was Beverly Hills. No, that was Keep Fishing. Okay, I I see what I know about Weezer's music videos. But um, so again, right off the bat, uh, Spider Webs obviously being a single, it's a great fucking song. It's a really good song. Um, the landlord told me about a friend whose voicemail was uh, uh that song specifically, which actually makes sense. It's not like George Costanza singing Believe It or Not, George isn't at home. It actually makes sense. Um, so. <laughs> 
that that one obviously I've heard it a ton because it got massive radio play. It was on a Guitar Hero game, I believe. Um, Excuse me, Mister. It just literally flows right through with the first five songs that are great. Excuse me, Mister. Just a girl. Obviously, another big song. Happy now, and then different people. And then it kind of takes a weird turn for me where I don't like it as much, but I still like the songs. Didn't love Hey You. Um, the climb. The first time I heard it, I didn't necessarily love it. Here, I need to pull up the song list because. Yeah. Um, the thing is, because this is, I like this album a lot, but this is really a fiance album. Yeah. That, like, I know the songs, but I don't know them by, like, name or word. Like, yeah. Like, and- this is probably, of all the albums I've given you, the one I know the least. Okay. So, after Different People, it goes to Hey You, and then, like I said, The Climb. Um, so, the first time I heard The Climb, it was. Oh, okay. I, I, know I didn't love it, but I appreciated how ambitious they were with kind of differing away from the entire ska sound, and it was a little more progressive, and it changed throughout the song, so it kind of grew on me. Um, the only song I really hated on the album was You Can Do It, and it had like a disco sound to mm. it. That one wasn't good, and my biggest critique on this album is that it probably could have been about three tracks shorter. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's only an hour-long album, but the back half is so inferior to the first first front or the front of it that it just feels like a bad. It becomes like a bad album you, on the back end. You know what I think probably happened because they record this like. When they weren't famous, they just so they probably when they went into an album, a band when they're famous, they write fifty songs. Let's take the best ten. Yeah, exactly. They probably had fourteen songs and said, "Let's just put all fourteen on." Yeah, that's probably accurate. Um, because it just it takes this weird nosedive, and maybe that's because the front of the album is so goddamn good. Maybe it could have been fixed by spreading out the great songs. But regardless, it's a really good album. It's a very fun album. You give me back to back weeks of albums that make you appreciate how good of a place rock whatever you want to call it was in the late 80s to like 89 to like 98 and i had the same conversation with brad dudes when you think about the that whole era of music and how good it was rock specifically compared to now it's when rock kind of i think that might have been like the last peak of great rock music was in the late the mid the late 90s hoobastank when the reason came out how are you going to top the reason i'm gonna gonna be (laughs) honest we make fun of hoopastank a lot no you don't like them I actually don't hate them. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't say I like them, but they're not a bad enough band for us to use as a like punchline to everything. Like, there's a lot of bands that we could use in place of them. I just always think about like, uh, there's a line on the league with Rafi. He goes, "I'm pumping ten dollars worth of Hoobastank in the jukebox," <laughs> which we just do that with Enrique Iglesias. So, um, on this album overall, because of the unevenness of it, I can't even give it a four. I got to give it like a three point three. But again, a very very good album. Um, if this again, if it had been like three or four tracks shorter, it might have been a four to I, a five. I agree entirely. Um, it's way but too long. When you hear how good Gwen sounded on this when she was actually like singing with power and then what she kind of does now I mean she hasn't made music in a while but when she the end of No Doubt and then her solo career where she was just kind of Britney Spears mailing it in like just kind of nasally singing all the time no actual power behind her voice um, it, it's kind of sad but she made more money becoming a single pop star and I'm she, sure she was never supposed to be even in that band she's a great um, she, um, front man, her, front woman of her a band. Her brother was the drummer or something. Yeah. I know the brother got more famous being an animator on The Simpsons than... Pa- 
Pat Smear was the guitarist for them for a little while. Was he? Yeah, that's I, I, Brad Dude just told me that. I was shocked at the knowledge he had. I, I always just took him as someone that knew like uh, farts and dogs and gardening very well. Um, Sentences that start somewhere and don't really yeah, go anywhere. Yeah, exactly. He knows Mariner very well. So, um, again, I give it like a 3.3 3 out of 5. Um, I really did like this album. It was a fun listen um, besides the back half of it. So, And I don't even think the back half's that bad. It's just... No, it's, I've heard way worse. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just... I think, again, it's so hard because the first half is so good. And that's why if you removed it or spaced out the good songs, it might have just uh, flowed better. They probably didn't know which were going to be like the singles, and what, so they probably just said, "Ah, let's just throw them in any order." Like, yeah, and you got to think like when you think about that genre, like um, and that time frame. What were the big bands that had like f- women fronts or leads? Whole, uh, the, the Cranberries, whole garbage, garbage, Cranberries. Uh, um, there's a few other. I mean, and then you had like solo acts like Cheryl Crow, Melissa Etheridge, and things like that. But to be like this cool, fun band, that was uh, that was different. Uh, so good choice on that one. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So why don't we go into the movie I gave you last week? You gave me uh, Resurrection of Jake, Jake the, the Snake. Snake. Yes. Okay, so I went back to my old um, my old way of doing it where um, watching it closer to the show sure. because. Sure. Last Especially time I a documentary. Watched, yeah, when I watched Whiplash, I liked Whiplash, but I feel like I didn't remember the details as much. It didn't, like, yeah, I like, know what you mean. And there's a difference between just taking a lot of notes and actually remembering how you felt. So I sure. said, you know, so I watched it last night. Um, first thing, it was a good documentary. Yeah, very I well done. It. I feel like though that I missed out because, and I don't think you and I will ever be able to kind of understand this. You grew up a wrestling. Fan. Yes, Jake the Snake's probably. You know, a hero of yours or something. I don't know he, what he is, but he's important to your the, life. The way to describe it is that he was like probably one of the best wrestlers of that era that didn't win a major championship. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I yeah. guess so. Yeah. I don't know. So that's so I'm watching it and I find it interesting, but I really didn't have and not not to the fault of the movie makers an emotional attachment to really Fair. anyone involved. Fair. So I found it interesting, but. When he was all, you know, drunk and stumbling and yelling, it was interesting. It was it was depressing it was to depressing, see someone like that. But Anyone. it wouldn't it would have been it, if, would, it didn't resonate with you the same way exactly. it would a wrestling fan, which so I, I feel agree like with. I kinda struggled a little with that and I tried to kind of put that in the back burner. Um, I felt like the first half of the movie was a lot of just like, hey, you should try out this yoga product. Well, that's kinda one of the, the crit- critiques on it, but it, uh, it's, it's not that honestly. It's not no. as bad as I thought it would be with the product placement. But I mean, it worked for him. It well, yeah, and I mean, and it it clearly works for certain people too. He's got a, a market for people that have had. Uh, he does also, a lot with the military. Also, they were the same age. I didn't know that. Well, yeah, DD, DDP got in the business very 35 old. Thirty five. Yeah, thirty five. Which is he's a very impressive individual in that regard. Like everyone always says, he's the most positive person you ever meet. And then when you see like interviews with him, it doesn't look like he has bad days. Yeah, he seems like a cool guy. Yeah. Was he like? Did he get in like drugs and stuff? Like that? He doesn't seem like he he ran bars when he was younger and then he decided he wanted to start getting he was just on joe rogan's podcast recently actually and they pulled up like one of his first like promos mm-hmm. and how 80s cheese ball it was like how he looked um the dot the diamond stud he had the uh, people around him um but no he was never really that bad he drank and everything he ran bars for christ's sake yeah but like there's a difference he wasn't like he, like, he wasn't like then... a jake or specifically a scott hall addict because when scott came into the movie and you heard his hip cracking Ooh, how that, that... gnarly was that 
Um, that 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 was tough. And, I'll and, say that that was one of the few of all the moments in the movie. That's one that made me cringe the most. Not him. By the way, the video of him at the barn. It's, oh, dude, when he's in the red coat and he can barely was, walk. That was a, they did that as a, as an E sixty on Scott Hall to show where he was at, and they show like the full. No, like, no, wa- not, that wasn't Scott Hall. That was um. I'm oh, about you're talking about Jake. Yeah, yeah, he was Jake one. taking out his genitals and he couldn't. He walks in the ring and he just falls. <laughs> like that was, and that got posted all over TMZ as they said it was cool to see wrestlers who you probably are more familiar with, like Stone Cold Steve Austin and Chris Jericho, who's been on ONA a bunch. Um, what they were saying about Jake. It's not really amazing that Jake. And Scott Hall are both alive. When you Jake, think about- Jake, I don't. Scott Hall, because they, they didn't really go into his background as much, so I didn't really. I wasn't too familiar with him. I mean, I know the name and I know Ray yeah, of course. and all that, but like, I, I really don't know anything beyond yeah. their public persona. Of and course, what you've told me. Jake, I know a little more only because I think he kind of bleeds in the mainstream. Yeah, a and, and if you've seen the wrestler, you understand the parallels between that character and um, him. I'll say what I did like about the film is. It was a very positive film. Yeah. A lot of documentaries fall in the trap where good music, uh, good moment, good moment, good moment, bombshell. Almost like they need to force a climax. Yeah. And they didn't do this. He had a few slip-ups throughout the movie. They, you know, he would relapse. And they were very honest about it. Yeah, and they would just be like, hey, Jake relapsed today. And they would, you know, film it. They would handle it. And yeah. then the next day, he'd be like, okay, let's get... So I... I they didn't go for cheap. No, they. the thing that I, and I wrote this in the review, the thing I did very well is showing that addiction is not a, you know, you're 30 days sober and then you're going to have bad days here and there. For certain people, it is an everyday fight, and that's people like Jake Roberts. And it, he, how he, he transformed. He went from, you know... He was you almost. Know, he was over three hundred and uh, something pounds. Yeah, was, and by the end of the movie, he's wrestling again. I mean, even after two running. weeks of uh, DDP staying with him, just doing the yoga, how much weight he lost, and then you just see him and the, the way his voice got better, and just he had more color in his face. Like when they first showed up at his little fucking rinky dink house, he was just positive. And, and... Yeah, but it's it's kind of sad. I mean, like you heard the background about how he was sexually assaulted by his stepmother yeah. when he was a kid. Um, the background on Scott Hall and his problems is that he got into a bar <laughs> fight and he accidentally killed the guy. Um, the guy pulled a gun on him. And when the struggle, he shot the guy in the head. So he's felt guilty his whole life about that. But it's also just the lifestyle back then was you you did a show, you went to the bar, you got hammered, you went home, you took painkillers to feel better. And that's why so many of these guys die. They're hooked on that. Um, and like I said, again, that you were, made a great point about how they didn't shy away from showing the slip-ups. It would have been so heavy-handed if it was like, oh, he's doing the DDP yoga, he's here with us, and he's never struggled and then, since. And then, this, and then the screen goes black and it goes, and then this. Yeah, and then it was cool to see them close out with him appearing on Raw when he put the snake on the guy and how no one knew that was coming. And then uh, the Hall of Fame induction, which was a, a great... Him and Scott both gave two of the best speeches and, and ever. It, and it was cool. I just feel like... Certain movies, if it's a topic you don't care about, it can pull you in. Yeah, sure. And I'm not saying this one didn't. I just it does. It just doesn't resonate the same it way. Just it's like it's if someone isn't a fan of Robin Williams, are they going to care about the HBO documentary that came about him? Like, there's just certain things you don't have to care about a political I'll, documentary if you don't like politics. I'll give you an example. Um, I was watching Thirty for Thirty with the fiance, and the fiance she actually watches a little football now. But when we were watching, she didn't know anything about it. And we watched the one on, I think it was either the U or SMU. I think okay. it was the U. Yeah. And she just... The U part she, one she or part two. She couldn't care. Yeah, well, I mean... Then we watched the one on the XFL, which she, she should have even let. And a great she one. was so invested in it. So... It just depends the, the on... Ex, yeah, it, again, you kind of have to be in it. And it's what it, you may have, like, maybe would have resonated more if it was a wrestler that you had more familiarity with. Like, Andre the Giant, everyone knows about Andre the Giant, whether it was Princess Bride or whatever, and there's that great HBO documentary well, about think, him. I think why, and I figured it out, 
is they don't really give that much history of him. They give yeah. you five minutes, and then it's just, boom, we're going to fix it. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying that was the wrong thing. I think it was a unique way to do the documentary. I just felt that, well, and I, I felt like it, it was being lost on I me. think it's going to resonate with two two types of people, wrestling fans and those addicts. that, and though, yeah, or have had addicts in their family, lost close friends to addiction, because it it becomes not a wrestling documentary and that that's a I guess it could be a strength and a weakness that if an addict who doesn't like wrestling and it's all about his like they spend the first half hour talking about his career and then going into it they're not going to care about that first if, half hour if I didn't know anything about wrestling and I know, I know a little only you know you know the one two three kid yeah oh he's great <laughs> and Royal Rumbles you like I like Royal Rumbles <laughs> I was really upset he wasn't in the Royal Rumble I w- I've been upset about that too maybe so, one day if they didn't if I didn't know anything about him coming in I wouldn't know based off of what they presented if he was the greatest wrestler of all time or, or just, he was a, just a, a shitty high school indie wrestler. Yeah, like you, they don't really paint that picture, which is a strength and a weakness, like yeah. you said. But it was okay. I liked it. Yeah, I figured you would enjoy it. It's, um, it, it is a very, for that type of theme, because most documentaries, there's a lot of documentaries about their addiction, about addiction. They don't have positive endings. It's like the scare tactics kind of thing. Like, this is the road you're headed down. This was down. more just, it this w- was, I'd say, 80% for. Um, uh, the, 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 what's the guy's name? Jake. Jake. And then twenty percent for DDP. Yeah, yoga. absolutely. And I mean, it. I, to be and to, in his defense, there. Not you're not like you're attacking him. No, he I'm, was ta- funding the guy completely. I mean, and so it's smart of him to put it in there. And um, now that we got out of the way, I had a proposal for you. Uh, I I mentioned this to you in text. Um, how would you feel about a project where I know you got the wedding coming up? What if we did? Whether it's starting in a week, a month, two months. For a month or two, we do the DDP yoga program and compare results. I can do DDP yoga. Yeah, I mean, it's you buy the app on your phone. It's like six or seven bucks a month. You get the first month free. Um, you could build a program based on what. By the way, you sell, you just went to you just went to live read mode. I don't think you even know about it. Like I, you were just like you buy the app. It's only yeah, about it's, six bucks a I, month. I, you get the first month well, free. I, my ultimate goal here is maybe we DDP is very cool with the fans and people that promote his product. If we could get him on a call or something, or he he appreciates shit like that. And I've introduced DDP yoga to the the facility my brother runs in Florida for addicts. Um, I believe DDP is making an appearance there soon if he hasn't already. Um, so. Uh, it was just an I idea. Did DDP, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, we I... could just it, it, no competition. Just see how it makes us feel because I've done it before, and I, I have a bum knee. I have a bad back. It, it is does wonders for that. If I, any type of I've issues. done regular yoga, and regular yoga does wonders. So let's this try, is like, you know, rock and roll yoga. Or whatever. Yeah, this is like next level on the like. A, you, they have like a program where it's seven minutes. You just do it uh, when you wake up, and it gets your heart rate going for the day to speed up your metabolism. There, there's all these great programs. So we'll talk about it off air, and then yeah, decide what we want to do. So there you go. We both enjoyed our picks this week, um, which is nice when we get on the same page. So why don't we go into our, our picks for this coming week? Yeah, you want me to go um, first? Yeah, and um, just to clarify, we're going to be doing a, a theme. It's, Octo- it's October's coming up. It's Halloween season, and I, I love Halloween. I don't know how much you love Halloween, but you, you, get, like Halloween. you get festive. You've had some cool costumes. Your Mad Max costume of a couple years ago was great. Um, I really like that the only one. Co- that's, I think, the only costume I ever put any effort into. Yeah, that was a cool one because you shit the bed after that. Or last year, you were um, the Twin Peaks. You did Twin Peaks, right, this past year? Yeah, Twin Peaks was great. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, so we're going to be doing like horror horror movies and like horror themed or like um i i, I, I get what you're you, saying I, I was just trying to clarify there so what album are you giving me okay so to fit the theme and i know you've heard of this group i don't know sure. how deep you go with it i'm giving you bloodlust by uncle acid and the deadbeats bloodlust by uncle acid and the deadbeats so a little background uncle acid is a and i don't know how to describe the sound almost like a classic rock um 
but more of a psychedelic influence. Okay. Be the way to put it. Like I don't want Jefferson to call him a... Starship. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, that guy. That guy just died yesterday. I saw that. The founder. That's why. I, I maybe that's why it clicked in my head. I didn't like when I said it. I wasn't thinking he died. But no, he's, was he he's a dead. Jefferson airplane or starship or boxcar? He was in Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Actually, <laughs> he was. He he posed as Crosby. <laughs> I just watched a movie about him. Yesterday. <laughs> They really look exactly. I, I know, and they had the same life basically. <laughs> True, maybe one wasn't raped by his stepmom, but go on. So anyway, <laughs> um, I don't want to say they're hack, but they do have a theme where all their songs are about cheap seventies, eighties horror themes. Okay, a lot That's of their, cool. you know, a lot of their songs are about you know. Um, Sacrifices, murder, rituals, going to hell. Yeah, just like so here's some. It of looks like there's only nine tracks on the album. It's a nine track album, but they're a little longer. It's what about, year did this come out? Uh, recently, I'd say 2011. 2011. So. Okay, yeah. so it's recent. I'll cut you down. Death's door. Curse of the trees. I'm here to kill you. Is one of the name of the Curse songs. of the trees. I would think that's got to be related to something like Evil Dead with uh, the famous yeah, tree scene. Yeah. Like so, I can already see the references in there, and that's like titles heavy, of like Misfits and Murder Dolls albums. Yeah, in in that genre, the one weakness of the album I'll say right now is it's a little monotonous because it's they're like this is our niche. We're just going to keep going back to Freebird. Yeah, but <laughs> and an, no one wants Freebird. But it's an enjoyable album. I like it a lot. I think the songs are. They pr- present them very serious, but when you listen to the lyrics, they're really goofy. Like it'll be like you're covered in blood. Like that's yeah, one well, of their. And I think the the fun thing I think it will have with this month between albums and movies is with these genres, you kind of have to like go into it a little more like open minded and loose about it. Like oh, yeah. you're not trying to judge it based on being like a Grammy or an Oscar winner. You're trying to base it on was I having fun? Was I entertained? You'll, you'll have fun with this, and one. I'm sure I will. So this they, is it has a sound of so you know those like cheap horror movies in like the late. 70s. Oh, yeah. That they're grainy and I you spit tell, on your grave kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. They do a really good job of capturing that atmosphere in the production. The lyrics are always a little buried. The guitars are a it's little too like, distorted. It's like Texas Chainsaw where it's gritty and raw. That's a good example. And it, it almost comes off. It almost, the way it's filmed and I'm sure the way it's recorded, it almost feels like a documentary. Yeah, like, and it it's you can tell that they put a lot of care in we want to convey an emotion well yeah and at times it's a little frustrating because you're saying what is he saying is he singer is that a guitar but then you realize that's what they're trying to do so yeah so th- that's cool so this is uh from uncle acids and the uncle acid and the dead a big beats. misfits a big black sabbath and influence. that's uh, i love that kind of stuff because it's not the, metal but it's got like the, a the thing i love about bands like the misfits and i was a big murder dolls fan back in the day i don't know if you ever really listened to them was it just sounded like they were making music about things they love like murder dolls was um the lead the the, dr- the original drummer from slipknot joey jordison because he originally was in slipknot that's not a real name jody jordison joey jordison was the drummer's name that's his name joey jordison he's like five six little guy um but he originally oh okay yeah. now it's obvious he, he's five six <laughs> yes <laughs> well the two are completely I was, unrelated <laughs> well i figured if you heard his, his height you'd be like okay maybe he has a stupid fucking name but his name's joey jordison he originally auditioned for slipknot as the guitarist and murder dolls was his other band that he played guitar in and they were like a horror punk rock metal uh theme like they have an, a song called dead in hollywood and it just makes references to all different horror throughout the years but when you make that it's you're writing about something you love rather than heartbreak or anger or loss um that's what's cool about it so you can have a lot of fun so in the so by we're going to shift to the movie and i'm going to give you a movie that i just watched again the other night i've probably seen it three dozen times in my life it is a comedy slapstick horror film from one of the most prestigious directors of all time one of his very first movies um peter jackson directed this oh i know dead alive or brain dead 
Um, so for those of you that have not, I seen, actually wanted to see this movie and I just never got around to it. It is so much fun. If you guys have not seen, it, it has two titles. So put in "Dead Alive" or "Brain Dead." I'll, like, I'll just, I'll the poster says "Dead Alive," but if you like download it, it'll say "Brain Dead." Um, so this was one of his first movies. Um, it starts out on Skull Island, so there's a little King Kong reference in there, and they're trying to steal this um, <laughs> rare monkey. But the monkey has um, some type of disease that causes. Hold on, I just hold up. I need to do DDT. DDT. That's it. That's that's Jake the Snake's finisher. Do you have a hernia again? I was looking at the picture the other day from when we were in Cooperstown. Ralph has a hernia. One like equals one prayer for Ralph. No, you got like twenty, which isn't many. So I'll keep continuing because we went on a tangent. You need to have more electrolytes. Um, so again, um, dead alive, brain dead. Um, they take this monkey from Skull Island. There's like people that live on the island, like tribal people that are trying to kill them. And this monkey has um, what becomes like a, a zombie outbreak, but they're a, a way different take on zombies. It is super campy. It's super goofy. There's a, a baby zombie in it. Uh, there's zombie sex in it. Um, there is a lawnmower used as a weapon to take out a bunch of zombies. Um, you could see early influences of Lord of the Rings with his style of filmmaking, like over the grass and everything, like he would be in the Shire. Gimli ran into a zombie horde. Yeah, Gimli, uh, Legolas is just there taking people out with arrows up top. Um, th this movie, everyone that I've shown it to, as long as you can appreciate like stupid, campy, good, like dumb, I, dumb horror. The fact that I know it exists and I've wanted to see it, Probably well, see, shows. And you with horror specifically, you like two types usually. You like where it's kind of like out of nowhere, but you don't like the, the haunting possessions like the conjuring like, kind of thing. I like psychological. Like, I like more of... A thriller. Or yeah, you like, like straight up slapstick. Yeah, oh yeah. Like Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. If a, movie, goofy. if a movie tries, I tend not to like it. You horror. don't like horror when it takes itself too seriously. Yeah. Which is like with Hereditary, it was okay because the first half is really just a psychological I drama. Liked Hered I liked and, Hereditary. And so that, but it wasn't like straight up like instantly a possession horror film. Um, and now with this one, you know from Jump Street, the acting is goofy and campy. You don't know any of the actors in this movie, guaranteed. And it's just so funny. There's a priest doing karate, and he says, I kick ass in the name of the Lord. Like, it's a really funny, goofy movie. And it's um, it, when it first came out, if you look, read the stuff on it, it got like bad reviews, and now it's considered like a one of the classic. 100 greatest horror films of all time. Um, and Peter Jackson, like, he, like one of his other really good horror movies was The Frighteners with uh, Michael J. Fox. And that was like another fun, I goofy one. I saw that movie. I hated it's that so movie. It's so goofy. And another one, it's just straight up. This uh, Dead Alive is way more slapstick That's than The, the Frighteners. Fr the Frighteners kind of, I felt, and I haven't seen it in years, but I remember I didn't like it because it wasn't... Jake Busey was in it. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't quite horror, but I didn't really think it was funny enough to be goofy, so it just kind Fair. of... Fair. You know what it felt like? It felt like um, a stand-up comic bombing. Oh, okay. I remember... Our recording. No, I didn't. I didn't move. Yeah, but the thing is over there, so you kicked the chair, you dingus. Well, it's okay. We're good now. Um, so again, actually, uh, uh, the the buzz went away. So yeah, I actually fixed. Something. Yeah, you fixed something. Um, so again, dead alive, brain dead. I don't even remember what year this came out. It was the eighties. Um, it actually came out in twenty twelve. Twenty did it after Lord of the Rings. It's the movie twenty twelve with Woody Harrelson and uh, John Cusack. Oh uh, well, you don't like a bad disaster movie every now and again. You have to appreciate them for how dumb they are. Like I can laugh my ass off at almost every disaster. Yeah, movie. that one was. No, wait. Um. There was another one that came out around that time. 
Well, there, were, there was 2012, and then what was the other one that was like around that same time? I, dude, they they all kind of like blend into one. Like San Andreas was really bad, but 2012 came out, and I think 2009. I want they released say. it too early, which was a problem. You need to release a movie like when people were really hyped up. Like if you're gonna make a Y2K movie, you don't make it in uh, 1994. <laughs> make a Y2K movie in 2012. <laughs> They just got everything backwards. All right, cool. So we got our picks out of the way. Again, this is going to be um, Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats. Bloodlust is the name of the album. They were going to make Dead a, Alive. They were going to make a television spinoff of 2012. What were they doing it? <laughs> the only, the best part of that movie is Woody Harrelson being like the Alex Jones type, who's living by Yellowstone as like a hardcore conspiracy theorist. North, North Korea re- reportedly banned the uh, movie because it was a hundredth anniversary of the birth of the nation's founder Kim Il Sung, and they didn't want people to think that he brought. <laughs> um, North Korea logic is great. I, if our government operated with that type of logic, I'd be very happy. It does. It shut up. Um, so, so I actually got some. Go for it on the th- uh, the horror theme. Sure. Um, I'm sure you've seen this because it's been all over. Um, that's not the a new trial ordered in Stairway to Heaven lawsuit. Those bastards. Do you hear what Six Flags is doing? Their offer. Um, is this the coffin, coffin. thing? Okay, so go on. Three hundred dollars to spend thirty hours in a coffin. What? What is it? Ten dollars an hour? <laughs> it. I have a few problems with this. One, 30 hours is nothing. It's... But are you allowed to get up to, like, piss and shit? That's the thing. You're allowed to get up once an hour to take a piss or shit. They provide you an iPhone charger. You can bring your phone in there. They'll give you food. Why aren't we doing this? Because it's in St. Louis, right? Isn't it, like, the Missouri Six Flags? I mean, there's no challenge to it. There's also really no incentive. $300 for 30 hours is, it like, that's 10 bucks an hour. I can make more money doing landscaping on the weekend. Like, but you don't. I don't because I don't want to. But and I don't you wanna... are being you are being paid to literally do nothing. So, but it's an open casket where you're just sitting there. Do you get like the mortician makeup when you lie in, like Frank's I little beauty? I don't know where the challenge is in this. If what if they? I think if you really wanted to make this a challenge, you get lowered into the ground and you have a catheter hooked up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they like, kill you. And they put like uh, they, slowly they start putting bugs into the thing. Yeah, like like Fear Factor kind of shit. This is just sitting in a fucking coffin. It's yeah. A- like why aren't people rushing to do this? Like there should be a bunch of heroin addicts. Like. Lo- Rushing to do this. Now, do you get any Heroin money? acts don't really rush to do anything. Well, they can shoot up and then lay down for 30 hours, but they have to lay on their side because otherwise they're going to have a bad time. <laughs> um, do you get any money if you don't make the 30 hours? If It's $10 an hour. Like, if you left after 20 hours, do you get the 200 Or is it going to be like in uh, anything else where if you don't last on the, the full five side, minutes, you don't the get... the winner will walk away... What? I don't know how it's a winner. It's just do you no, make you it just, or you, you don't? No, comp- you complete the task. It's not a win and loss thing. Um, and a winner, there's only one person that gets 300. Six Flags is skimping out here. Oh, the winner wins a coffin. Well, oh, now we got to do okay. it. Okay. Dude, what could we do with a coffin? Sit in it for 30 hours and then die? <laughs> we record from the coffin just laying next to each other. Oh, that'd be must, <laughs> that's must listen. Yeah, exactly. It would be so... Yo, mu- it's, you watch I Listen, episode 25. I'm going to do live, live read from, from, live from the coffin. Live from the coffin. Fudge and Finn's podcast show. In the pit, Taylor Micah. In the pit, Taylor Micah. We're in the pits, in the coffin. Like, it's such a hack thing. And if we ever wanted to do that with Taylor, we wouldn't have any room. <laughs> Sorry, Taylor. Most shows are earned. This show's a coffin. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a. I, I feel like it, there should be better incentive and more of a challenge. Like, <laughs> what if they put like um, uh, leeches in there while you were there, or they submerged it in water, and like you're you're like half covered, you can still breathe. That would actually, if I'm covered in water, like up to like my knees, 
You'll freak out. Yeah, I think I think it's most like claustrophobic would. claustrophobia. To, well, just even lowering it to the ground and make simulating because I've seen um certain like Halloween themes like uh, haunted houses. They'll yeah. do that where you can go and see how long you can last, and they actually do that at um. The one at Forest of Fear in Greenwood Lake, mm-hmm. where they have the Ren Fair, and they have a thing where they'll lower you like six feet, and you see how long you could see, last. I don't, think, I don't think that would bother me. Though. That I, I'd get a little claustrophobic. See, I don't really get claustrophobic, but I've, done I've th- never been in that specific situation. I've done the thing where they throw the knives at you because that's—I don't think that's scary. These guys are professionals, but with my luck, I'll take one right to the helmet. Um, with my luck, you will too. So um, I have a, a story that happened to me. I actually had to text ears about this as it happened. It was like ten forty-five at night because I got a little creeped out. So. The landlord um, woke up and you saw a ghost go into your refrigerator on uh, Files One News. Yeah, exactly. So it um I it does involve what I I I thought the landlord was possessed is the moral of the story. So it, the landlord um she's up before me every day. She gets home before me, but she's up earlier. She's asleep by eight eight thirty almost every day of the week, as is uh, the fiance in a lot of cases with their line of work. And it's rare if the landlord gets up after she goes to sleep. So I'm playing Madden, it's like 10.45 at night, and I hear the bedroom door open. And I'm just thinking, oh, she's going to take a piss. She comes around the corner, and she stands in the doorway of the den and just stares at me for 10 seconds. Like, she's like glossed over in the eyes, and I'm like, landlord, landlord. She's not saying anything. And she goes to me, someone else is supposed to be here. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? She goes, who is coming here? I'm like, what are you talking about? And she said, there's someone else that's supposed to be here. She looks at me, she turns around, she walks away. She goes in the bathroom, sits on the toilet, starts pissing. Just still, and I follow her, and she's just staring at me. Our one cat jumps up on the counter to the sink, and he's just whipping her in the face with his tail, and she's just sitting there. She goes, I'm not here, and someone is supposed to be coming here. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And she keeps saying, someone's supposed to be here. Someone's coming over. And I'm like, this is this is how I've seen a lot of horror movies start I'm out. I'm gonna like be this. honest, this actually is creepy. Yeah, I was like sitting there. I, I want to make fun of you, but that would have I was me like, out I was too. sitting there because it was one thing if if it was just she said it one time. I'm like thinking she's sleepwalking at first, and then I say to her as she's peeing, I'm like, are you sleepwalking? She goes, I'm not sleepwalking because I can see you, but I'm not here. And I'm like, oh my god, this is like how The Exorcist starts. I was like, I want to make sure she actually gets back to bed okay, but I also don't want to get murdered. Like, I, I pictured uh, when Tony Collette was possessed at the end of Hereditary yeah. and just sprints at you. <laughs> it's exactly what I pictured. So I walk her into the bedroom. She lays in the bed, and as she goes to lay down, she goes, hee, 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 hee. And she wakes up, and she's like, I actually kind of remember it, but I think she was, like, in between sleep. And and, but I texted ears. I'm like, yo, if I'm, like, dead in the morning, she was possessed. So use that in court. But you would have been creeped out, too. Like, it was, oh, it was weird. Well, the fiance does sleepwalk a lot. And does she have full conversations where yeah. she talks about the presence of someone else is supposed to be there? She won't do that, but we'll have conversations that don't make sense. Yeah. So I get that, but that seems well, that's, that's, that's really it, it, maybe she's really not, cognizant. It, it would have not been as creepy if she didn't just stand in the doorway and stare at me for ten seconds, because that's like in horror movies where you see someone just in the corner, like a figure, and. She's never slept sleepwalked before that I've ever been awake for, and I'm I don't really sleep all that much, so I would have seen it at some point. Yeah, yeah. You think, um, but uh, it was uh, I, I said if it was the tables were turned and she was awake and I did that, she dead. she would have been horrified. She would have called her mom to come over. Mom, Dan's gonna kill me. He's possessed. I just kind of needed to text someone and get it off my mind, <laughs> like and just know that if um, I end up dead, that someone has my account of what happened. See, I don't I don't sleepwalk, but I get sleep paralysis, and then I get. Uh, the night towers. Oh yeah, yeah. So I- like, I'll wake up thinking I'm um, 
in the middle of a fight. Like, I'll wake up and, like, be by the side of the bed, like, ready to, like, fight yeah, someone. Yeah. And uh, my, I only, I guess... Wait, before... did I remember on vacation where in the middle of the night... That's why I don't... That's why I can't sleep in places that aren't my apartment. Because it's whatever... It messes with your head. The, the feng my... shui of the room you're in as you're trying to sleep. So, it's like, like I'll wake up and I'll just be screaming and, like... In my head, I think someone's yelling at me because yeah, yeah. I wake myself up screaming, so I start screaming at myself. It just it makes no sense. And I, my only thing with sleepwalking is I do the the sleep eating, which is just weird. That one is very strange. I don't think I've ever done that. That one I, I don't necessarily understand. Um, so yeah, the landlord's possessed. Um, rest in peace. Um, so rest in peace, Dan. here's a fun story for you. Remember the the show Veronica Mars with Kristen Bell? It was kind of like yeah, Kristen yeah, Bell's yeah, break. Yeah, I, I never watched it, but it was very very popular. Yeah. and it's coming back with the original cast. And they, did, she's a comeback too. Yeah, she's coming back too. And there is a, a big writer on it, um, a big name that's going to be writing for it. I want you to take the most random guesses possible. Give me three random guesses, and it, it doesn't have to be people from Hollywood. It's just a very well known figure. Don't look it up. I'm not looking. Okay. No, no, no. I was just trying to see what yours at okay. the shows originally. So okay, three random guesses. Gary Busey. No. Mike Schmidt. No. And Elvira. No. Um. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is going to be writing for Veronica Mars. <laughs> the NBA's wait, wait. I actually was pretty close to Mike Schmidt. <laughs> no, to be honest, dude, I saw it. and I'm like, the all-time scorer. <laughs> like, he's going to be writing for Veronica Mars. Is he? And now I just wondered. I didn't really read into it beyond that. Is he a fan of Veronica Mars? I, I, I never took it as like the kind of show that appeals to the male demographic, specifically the male all-time great athlete demographic, <laughs> and. Um, what the hell do you do with that? Like, what is I'm, he... I'm reading it, but um, what does it say? There's no information other yeah, than he... it's, he's got a writing credit on it. What the is he like a super fan of Veronica Mars? Like low key, is he a fanboy? I don't. What is Veronica Mars even about? I honestly don't know. I never watched it. I just know it was wildly popular. It was one of those shows, and I think it was a. Uh, it was on for a it short was, period of time. It was a WB right? or UPN show, I think. Um, when they had like all those really Gilmore Girls, One Tree Hill, that kind of stuff. Um, okay, you know what? I got I got a challenge. Okay, let's watch the first season of Veronica Mars. Give it. Okay, I'm in. All I'll right. um I'll probably do like my kind of like. Can we do two weeks? We'll do it over two weeks. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. talk about it and see if like imagine we both get really into it and we now, we, we both are huge. We we hit up Kareem like, hey, listen, we have some ideas. We become writers <laughs> on Veronica Mars. Yeah, we're. <laughs> I just I, you write I you write Veronica I, Mars, I, Mars. You I write I Mars. <laughs> Like, what? But why Kareem? I need to know how this came about. Is he that, a reoccurring character? No, he's never been on it. Like, I've never seen Kareem in a movie besides. I've seen him in two movies: Airplane, obviously, and he has a little cameo in Basketball when they go to Ted Denslow's house, and it looks like it's like a wax figure of Kareem, and then he just turns and looks at Trey Parker, and then he punches out. <laughs> It got uh, it got really good reviews. No, people love the show, man. I'm actually, this, you know what? I'm curious about this now. Yeah, because I actually I like Kristen Bell. I think she's pretty talented. I, she's, she's, have you ever watched The Good Place? I've not watched The Good Place. The I good hear really place good things about it. It's one of the few network shows. What network is it on? Uh, I think it's ABC. Okay, it's either ABC or CBS. So it's it's a weird show. It has no laugh track, which is always a po uh, positive. But it's not one of those witty like wisecrack shows sure. like Arrested Development can get away with that. Malcolm yeah, in the mid uh, middle. But it's just a kind of a silly, feel-good show. And she's, she's show. the main character on she's it? She's the main character, and basically the synopsis is she dies out of nowhere, and she gets sent to heaven by mistake. And is she, that like Down to Earth with Chris Rock? You know what? It is. <laughs> I it's like actually, that. It's I actually, actually like a that movie. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote that one. <laughs> and it's a really like silly show. The jokes are very like 
kind of corny. I'm sure, but it's, it's such like television. it's like a sweet show. That's all I can describe it. Like whenever I feel sad, I watch The Good Place. It's still on The Good Place. Yeah, I've only watched the first season because the second so, season I don't. I, I, I don't know what happened actually. I'm watching a show there's a right reveal, now. There's a reveal in the end of the first episode or for uh, first uh, season that goes okay. Well, I guess the show's over. Like. <laughs> So I'm watching a show. I don't know if you're watching any like current shows. Um, what are, we are watching some, but I don't remember. What. I'm watching Maniac right now. Have you seen this yet on Netflix? No, um, I've so seen. I've seen the. It's Jonah Hill, Emma Stone. Um, the director is a guy that did the first season of True Detective. Uh, Co- Co- Cody Fukuyama. Fukuyama. Um, it's a it's a really weird show. I would say the two things I can compare it to most, um, technology wise, it's a lot like her. And just the weird trippiness of it is kind of like Internal Sunshine. I know you don't love that movie, mm-hmm. but it, I think you'll end up liking this because it's, it's first of all, Jonah Hill is unbelievable. It might be his best performance. I don't usually like Emma Stone, and she's great on it. I love Emma Stone. I, I don't like her as a lead, generally. That's why this one is like an outlier. I usually like her in like supporting roles. Like I liked her in Superbad and... Um, uh, the Amazing Spider-Man is Gwen Stacy. La La Land, I know you love I, that I, one. Fuck that movie. So this one, the whole premise of it, it's about mental illness. Um, Jonah Hill has schizophrenia, and she is um, an addict dealing with um, a, uh, a personal tragedy, we'll say, without spoilers. Yeah. Um, and they sign up for this trial drug that is supposed to help people get over the skeletons in their closet, past traumas, things like that. Um, Justin Thoreau is in it. Um, he He's great. It's 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 a dark comedy more Isn't than anything the, else. Uh, the Prime Minister of Canada? No, that's Turdo, I think. Turdo. Um, so this one, it's very trippy. Um, it's it's really weird because in in their their trials that they're doing, it's almost like they're having a um, an, uh, a simulation to mm-hmm. an extent. Um, and it's showing it's using these made up events that they're in subconsciously to reveal what their traumas actually are. I got I, okay. And so there's three pills. There's the A, B, and C pill. The A pill helps them remember exactly what their trauma was. They relive that experience. So for Emma Stone's character, it's the tragedy. You yeah, actually yeah. find out what happened. Um, and B then, puts you back to the matrix. B, B helps you dive in to see what your actual like problems are with that and your own self conscious um, uh, nature. And then I haven't gotten to see it. I've only done five episodes. Um, it is fucking hilarious. It's it's ext- like you know, True Detective had parts that were like laugh out loud funny. True it, Detective was so serious that when something not serious happened, it like cut the tension. Yeah, perfectly. exactly. And it's um like I think like No Country for Old Men is funny. Like I laugh my ass off at parts in No Country oh, yeah. for Old Men. Um, it has that kind of feel to it. Like little subtle things. Um, it's only a ten episode series. Um, some episodes are fifty minutes. There's episodes that are twenty nine minutes. I don't know why that annoys me when shows do that. And I get why they do it, I, but I think well, you know what these. Shows Shows now because um, there's no there's no parameters. T- well, TV is becoming the new medium for storytelling over movies. Like oh, I would absolutely. say that the quality of television is significantly better than the quality of film right now. Oh yeah, I agree. and I'm much more of a movie guy than I'm a TV guy. But even shows I don't like, I see the quality of it. I'm like, this is well made. They get superstars on TV shows I now. I feel like a show tells. I feel like it flipped. A show tells a bigger, larger than life story, where a movie just tells like a little slice well, of life. Well, also you're in a movie, you're confined to, to ninety minutes to, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, maximum three hours. While with a show, you can space it out. And I think the old, the sometimes the twenty nine minutes thing works out because it depends on the peaks and valleys of the show. Oh, I, I the fully way, understand. The way it just you know it is it, it affects your like OCD like. But, yeah. but where's the other half? Where's yeah. the other half? And this one, um, I've been pulled in pretty quickly. Like it, it's just the acting is so good on it. But I love the the campiness, the goo. 
goofiness of it, just the, the little things. Sally Field has a part in it. It's a re- they don't really tell you what time frame this is taking place in, but I would say if I it was probably like uh, the not so distant future kind of thing, like ten years. But then some stuff is very like eighties, nineties about it. Um, but Jonah Hill and Emma Stone have this great chemistry that they've had since Superbad. And like when they're doing like these simulations, they're doing like, at one point they're living in like nineteen eighty, and they're just like straight up like kind of New York uh, New York State white trash kind of thing. And the other one, it's like a Great Gatsby kind of thing. Like, and they they each have like La La Land. Y- they keep changing like the kind of characters they're playing, and they're they're seamless in their chemistry. So I, I got think it. I think, and I think the fiance will like it a I'll lot. T- as you well. know, what? I'll, I'll I'll give it a shot. I, but we got to watch Veronica Mars first, obviously. Veronica Mars is uh, that's our. So I have a couple more things. I don't know what else you got. You have any other stories? I have a few like goofy things. Yeah, so. I have a couple goofy things. Well, actually, too, so I do have one. I just gave like two in a row. So why don't you go? The one you brought up before. <laughs> Stairway to he- Heaven is getting sued again. How many times have they been sued for Stairway is to Heaven? Is it me or is this story come back every like five years? Is there a way, because I love Led Zeppelin, but is there a way that we can just get rid of like any knowledge or existence of Stairway to Heaven? Because I don't like Stairway to Heaven. Um, I Okay, so do you dislike Stairway to Heaven or do you dislike Stairway to Heaven because it's become... It's the- like Freebird. It's like Led Zeppelin's Freebird kind of thing. See, I actually hate Freebird the song. But I don't hate it because it became what it is. Stairway to Heaven annoys me only because if you don't know anything about Zeppelin, that's your song so, you go to. The, the reason I don't like Stairway and Freebird is, as you know, my dad played in classic rock bands most of my li- all my life. He was playing. He was in a Led Zeppelin cover band when he was 17 years old. Um, and the, there were two songs that he hated playing. We'd go see his friends' bands uh, play out. Mm-hmm. Every time, no matter where they were playing, it could be a party with a thousand people. Did someone yell out Freebird? Freebird and Stairway are the songs that people, especially as they got drunk, that's all they wanted to hear. Freebird Freebird, Freebird structurally is a good song, but it fucking, it's so long. It's a giant guitar solo. It's just for Leonard Skinner to jerk themselves off. See, I don't get get that vibe from Stairway. No, Stairway. I get why Stairway annoys me. I think Stairway is a a beautiful song in a lot of ways. It sounds good. It's just, to me, it's Led Zeppelin when they're phoning it in the moment. Like it's not what I think of when no, I think of Led no. Zeppelin. I don't I think, think it's Stairway like to Heaven. Stance, the best, like the best reference to Stairway to Heaven of all time is in Wayne's World when he's in the guitar shop and he takes a picks up the guitar and he starts playing it and, and it says Stairway denied. <laughs> like because that's like everyone's like I could play Stairway to Heaven. It's like you pick up a guitar. The first line thing you learn is either like. Um, brain stew smells like Teen Spirit. Fade the black or Stairway to Heaven. Yeah, because they're the easiest things to play, and they're they happen to be some of my least favorite songs by bands I really like. I'll say this about Stairway to Heaven, the live version where they don't have all the overdubbing, I enjoy that more. Most Led Zeppelin live I like more because, especially with Jimmy Page, because Jimmy Page is a great guitarist, but he's a very sloppy guitarist. He never plays a song the same way twice, and I think that's cool when you hear live versions. Certain bands that annoys me, certain bands, like... But Jimmy Zep- Page, I feel like if he wanted to, could play it the same. I think that's more of a conscious decision. Yeah, he, well, he says he's also like, strung out on heroin yeah, half the he, time. He said like when recording, he's like, I just go with what I feel in that moment in the song, which I think is really cool. And why is your phone case purple? Oh, um, <laughs> you fucking uh, Teletubby. What Teletubby was that purple? Good, T- you know Tinky Winky. <laughs> Dipsy, good improv. Yeah, good improv. I know with the what's your phone? Teletubby. um, How did you get to fit in the Teletubby reference anywhere? I I fit one in three times a day. (laughs) Where? I I went to McDonald's. I said, "Can I have a burger and uh, Teletubby?" Winky. Yeah, I just yelled Tinky Winky, (laughs) and then I throw the McChicken at the guy's face and burn out. I got a fun story about Teletubby. We didn't even finish. Wait, I just need to. We're on the Teletubby subject right now. (laughs) I have a. You went from stairway to the phone case to (laughs) Teletubbies. So, um, my sister is eight years younger than I nine years whatever 
Um, so so different numbers. Uh, eight, nine years. Eight and a half years, we'll say. And so when I was eight, nine years old, ten years old, whatever, she was watching you know, things like Sesame Street and Blue's Clues, and Teletubbies was huge when she was very young. Yeah. And she had the dolls that you would squeeze, and they would do their catchphrases or whatever, like the Tickle Me Elmo kind of thing. And um, I guess, because Teletubbies is from another country. It's from, uh, I think it's from England, right? It, I think or so. Ireland. So, so I think it's England. You would press it, and the one that she had specifically was uh, Poe. And it would t- do the name. It would say Teletubbies tubbies but i guess it had a thing where it rode a scooter and it had a catchphrase and i gotta pull up the video now because no one believes me when i tell them about this because we had to send it back and get the voice box changed because <laughs> it was highly offensive so i i gotta pull this up um we didn't believe it at first like i remember being young and i thought it was funny i, I brought it to school one day and i got in trouble i took my sister's toy <laughs> that was like her favorite thing um that i have to type in this word which i can't say but Let's just see if I can pick this up. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Real quick, before you say, is this something that, uh, you know, just play it. Let's see. So, again, tell to, um, this was, Poe was the red one, I think. Yeah, Lala was the yellow Don't one. Don't act wait, like listen. you. Yeah, he wanted to hug you. Uh-oh. Yeah, this is a prototype. Or an accident. Ready? I'm listening. Ready for this? Are you ready for this crap? Yeah, say that to your mom. He's saying something very inappropriate. Let me see. Look at the... The thing says... Wait, 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 wait. It's 100... Okay, so I'm going to say the word because of the context. No, 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 but, don't, 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 don't say it. Why? No, it's... it. I, I, there are certain things you can't say. F-A-G-G-O-T. Yes, it's a very offensive word for homosexuals. Yeah. I, you know what? It's, I didn't. I didn't hear it. I'm. I'm not even. I'm not even. Oh, we heard it like instantly. And my. my I remember my mom was like mortified because we didn't like know. Do they all? It, that one. No, it's just that one. It was. It's like a catchphrase where in the original country it's from, which is why I'm not thinking England because it would push itself on the scooter and say. D- d- uh, don't say it. Just we don't know. We know what the word is. Forgot. Uh, <laughs> it's um, a word you. There are certain words. But can that, you in context? No, no, you can't. Can't you in context? I understand what you're saying. You are not saying it to be offensive. You are just saying a matter of fact. You are using logic in a world that has no logic when it comes to these things. But you're not allowed to say it. <laughs> Stop. Fugazi. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, this is... Uh, it's, we, it's from England, by We way. had to send it back and get the voice box changed out. Um, so the Teletubbies were fucked up, man. I think you guys can get the idea what word that was, even though Ralph didn't hear it right away. Maybe because you don't want me to say it, you blocked that word out of your vocabulary. No, I, I honestly... I'll tell you what probably happened. I thought it was going to be another word. Like cunt or something? No, I thought it was going to be a, like the, a racial word. Oh, yeah, well... So that, that's maybe that's what I was expecting. And this was back when that word was allowed to be used that more word, freely. Yeah, you were allowed to say that. Yeah, it that. was a common thing. They used it on like network television sometimes. It was just a bad word. Yeah, but, and, but you didn't want to tell your little kids to like watch Teletubbies, and then my sister starts blurting out that word, and said she just calls me that now. Um, so, uh, go on about Stairway. Okay. So, wait, wait. Let's, <laughs> let's, what a segue. Let's, uh, let's go back a step, back to the phone case. Okay. <laughs> The, the purple re- phone case. Yeah, yeah, please. With your great uh, tinky winky. Uh, By the way, I like to go. I like to go. The red one's a Poe red. Like you didn't know. I know. I I had, I know. Okay. Lala. The red the one's yellow po. one. The yellow one's Lala. Uh, tinky winky is, is the purple and one. Dipsy and is Dipsy the, is the green one. Is that what it is? Yeah. There's a green. one? I don't remember the green Dipsy. one. Purple. Dipsy. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I they mean, each had an item. La, uh, uh, by the way, my sister was not the age to watch Teletype, so the fact that I know this is really disturbing. Yeah, I, Lala had the scooter. 
Tinky Winky had the bag. Which no, Poe po had the scooter because Poe's the one that said that word. No, no, Poe had the scooter. Um, remember that weird, creepy baby face that was a son? Ugh. That show was creepy, man. Children's shows. Remember Gullah Gullah Island too? I loved Gullah. Gullah I Island. was too. Binya Binya Pollywog. Who's your favorite Pollywog? Go. You Hello? keep screwing everything up. Um, we had a guy in my fraternity that was his nickname because he looked like the Pollywog. Mm -hmm. Popo? <laughs> <laughs> we actually named Popo after Teletubbies. <laughs> Does he know that? He's going to find out no, now, Popo, I guess. Popo's named after Mr. Popo from so, Dragon Ball okay, Z. So why do you have a purple okay. case? Did you just take it from the fiancé because you needed a case? No, okay. So my case, uh, I had the black case for the longest time. Yes. You know, just... It, I had the same exact case you have, actually. But it didn't charge your phone. So, okay. So then I had one you had that... You jerk-off case. So, <laughs> I have a good case. So I went online to buy a new case. The black one was nineteen ninety nine. The, the purple <laughs> one was fourteen ninety five, and a mint green one was six bucks. I wasn't brave enough for the mint green one. But wait, wait, you're not brave enough for mint green, but you're brave enough to have purple. I could just say I'm a Vikings fan. No, but you're not. But I could. No, you're not. Name a okay. Name a like a sports team that's mint green. <laughs> no, they, there's none. I, no, there's no way. Actually, I was at um, I went to Shopper the other day wearing because you know how I wear jerseys for teams. I don't. Yeah, of course. So I was wearing my Paul Krauss Vikings jersey. Some guy pulls up. He goes, "Yo, that's where it's at." And he pulls up. He's wearing a Farva uh, Vikings jersey. He goes, "We gonna win today?" Did I, they? No, I didn't. I didn't know who they were playing. So I was like, "Yeah, we got this." He goes, "Yeah, it happening." And I had to pretend and I'm a Vikings. They, and who are they playing? Bills, I think. <laughs> and had that go for him. <laughs> I think they the had biggest, shut out or the who? biggest upsets in 1995. How crazy is that? What uh, was the 95 one? I don't rem even remember what it was. Look up uh, the biggest upset since 95, and you'll find the article right away. Okay. Um, they were 17. By the way, I'm just abandoning the Zeppelin story. I don't feel like going back to it. Yeah, I mean. I, Zeppelin's I, getting sued. Yeah, again, again. Hey, do you think. Okay, so have you heard both of the songs? What songs? So the, the story is. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Stairway to Heaven and the honestly, Limit suing them. Yeah, it sounds of course. familiar, but. It's not, it's not like Ice Ice Baby and Under Pressure. Or um, uh, Why Don't You Get a Job and... Uh, yeah, uh, and, or um, Blurred Lines and, and Marvin like, Gaye. It's like, like a three-bar a three riff, maybe. Like, I think it's the a really problem short... is Zeppelin has been accused in other songs of borrowing or riffing. Um, which, they, probably, they probably did steal it. I'm course. not going to lie, I but mean, I, don't, come I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Um, what so, was I Googling? Um, the 1995 NFL upset. Um, you'll probably find the article. Um so, did you see this <laughs> this meme going around of Troy Aikman yesterday? No. So, you guys got to look this up. It, so, it's a picture of Troy Aikman. It says, reminder that Troy Aikman looks like white Jay-Z. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> you guys got to look this up. And you can probably find it on Facebook, Twitter. He looks just like a white... He looks like Jay-Z if Jay-Z turned into Sammy Sosa. <laughs> the, the skin condition. <laughs> That's creepy, uncanny. creepy. Where oh. I, I thought on Thursday, um, I know a lot of people don't like Buck and Aikman. I thought they were great on Thursday's I game have specifically. No problem with Buck and Aikman. I, they've grown on me. I used to hate them. I didn't like Buck until he did that Super Bowl commercial that got canceled, Wait, where got he's all... where like he's walking through the streets of New York City getting ripped on, and he was like a good sport about himself because I always took him as like a hard ass that couldn't make fun of himself. Um, but he's a good sport, and how he handled the whole Artie Lang thing. The Artie Lang thing though is. <laughs> I just watched it again the other day. It I was never like, gets it, old. It's so funny. Like, <laughs> Suckingcock.com. Why? <laughs> I never understood the hate. I understand why people may dislike Buck, but there's a, like Tim McCarver. Tim McCarver, Joe Morgan, horrible. Harold Reynolds. Harold, uh, Chris Collinsworth. I can't listen to games with them. Buck, I don't put in that. I, think, I don't care okay, so for Buck, I think I the thing him. is, specifically, 
um, in this area, and just uh, honestly, because the the most popular team in the country is the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. and he does slant towards there because they give him every Cowboys game and, each and week. Also, he has a really good relationship with Jerry Jones. Which, by the way, did you see Jerry Jones said that the the Cowboys have the could easily or they have the same type of offense that the Rams do, which is pretty funny. Oh yeah, dude, yeah. Michael Gallup. Did you know it's been I think nine straight games dating back to last season that Dak Prescott hasn't thrown for over 200 yards. Dak Prescott statistically is like... I, I the saw some very definition worst, of... Worst quarterback... I mean, I don't entirely blame him. The, the coaching is awful right now, and they have no weapons either. But he's not. He's he's scared to throw the ball downfield, and that, the second you are afraid to take shots, you're done. My you're question done. with that team is... This is why I don't write the Giants off completely. And yep. I, well, we won't go too long into sure, football, because sure. I know people tune in. Of course. The Giants have a lot of weaknesses, but they do have strengths. They have... They have a fearless quarterback, have, which can make you win any game. They, I'm not even saying that. They have three skill positions, which go, I'd say, 95% of teams. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, that guy. I follow that guy on Facebook. Yeah, he took a shit from like three feet from the toilet and got a nothing but net into the toilet. Um, go on. <laughs> The Cowboys, the Giants. We're having a repeat of last week's show where it's just... <laughs> just saying nonsense. The um, Giants. Like, the Giants have a strength. They have a, a wide receiver and a running back that can go toe-to-toe. And a quarterback that doesn't get frazzled in games, even when he's yeah. getting the shit kicked Rams, out Rams, that offense, no one can stop Chiefs. it. Chiefs. Um, the Bears have the best player on the field in most games they'll play. Yeah. What do the what do the Cowboys, Cowboys do well? They're okay at some positions. They, I don't. I think a lot of people underestimated the loss of Travis Frederick because that is such a massive loss. I definitely did. It's. I people don't realize with the center, like how important a great center can be to the. That's why, like with um, the Dolphins, when they lost Mike Pouncey, I understand he's a Pro Bowler, but he's been hurt a lot. That's why it was kind of like a lateral move. Any kind of center you got when he's healthy, sure, but he's never healthy. Yeah, and he, and he's had two hip surgeries, and usually if you're a center, you need that kind of quick lateral movement. I, I honestly, hip surgeries. There's not a position where hip surgeries don't like you know yeah, certain never, injuries that affect certain. Maybe a quarterback it would be the same, but depending on no, what kind because, of passer you are. No, you pull back and you have and to you got to plant. Quick. Yeah, turn, you got to no, turn your footwork. It's but I mean with a, a center. So I mean I saw when the Dolphins. Maybe you know what the only position I don't think it would affect. Stay with me on this. A running back that runs north south, north south like a Brandon like Jacobs Le- type. Yeah, Lashawn McCoy career over because he's Le- a cut. Garrett Blunt. The Garrett Blunt. But um, uh, Leonard Fournette kind of thing where they just run straight downhill. Those are the only guys, and maybe Sammy Watkins who just runs deep outs. Yeah, yeah. every time slants or fades. Yeah, uh, but um, I again with the Cowboys, it's um, I I actually I like Dak as a player, but they I think they I kinda, love Dak. But... I think they um, first off, he shouldn't have won Rookie of the Year as Rookie of the Year. That should have gone to Zeke. Um, I'll ride that to the grave. I mean, it's it's a quarterback, so he's gonna get the praise. But I think his I think his success. Uh, Dak's success was more because of the success of Zeke than Dak's success was helped Zeke's success. If that makes sense, I, I, it's kind of hard. I I don't think you could have gone wrong. I don't way, like it. All right, so it's um, the Cowboys. I hate them anyway. See, Why am I giving up? See who went to prison this week? Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. Wait, wait, wait. Do we have the same story? What his first night was like? What he had? Yeah, we have the same exact story. God, you read it. Bill Cosby hit with hot dog bun on rough first night. I had night it written jail. down. I wrote stale hot dog bun because that was the headline I saw. Yeah, but I I got stale on all of them <laughs> except for this one. <laughs> Good. You know what? Um, By the way, I thought when you get sentenced to jail, there's like a grace period before you go to jail. Why did he just go like the same day? Well, I think he, if I'm wrong on this, correct me, but wasn't he sentenced a while back and then they appealed and this was the official sentence? 
I think. Um, so I don't know if there was a grace period. And also, he should he should be a guy that's in prison for the rest of his life. He's gonna be. Well, hopefully he just dies in there. I heard that he's like freaking out and telling his wife like get the checkbook out and find a way. What are they gonna break him out? We're like, what? Are they, well, how are you gonna get him out of prison? No matter how much money. Did OJ give him advice? <laughs> yeah, OJ said that he, uh, he's in danger in prison. I'm like, yeah. When you're a rapist, you probably should be. True Justice. By the way, speaking of True Justice, I don't even have this written down. Have you watched Norm's new show on Netflix at all? No, but... Dude, um, I watched last night. He had Judge Judy on the third episode. Ooh. It was awesome. I, the first three guests, I was like, I don't know how this would be. The first one was David Spade. Really cool. It helps that they're friends. Drew Barrymore was the second episode, and she was great. I love Drew I, She was great, but Judge Judy is so cool, man. And she talked about specifically how she thinks that there's wiggle room in the law to give true justice. And I was like, that's a great point. Because she said, with, they were talking about the OJ case. Like, yeah, he got thrown into prison the second time as makeup for the other thing. She goes, I'm sorry, there's wiggle room there. That's true justice. I understand. She's like, you could follow the letter of the law, or you can go by a case-by-case -case basis. She also, now granted, she... I think she's a real judge. Of course. But, her but show, it's family court. It's she's, family court. She's an arbiter. Yeah, of course. She doesn't need to wear those. Yeah, no, of course not. But, I mean, you got to respect that woman. How much She made a fucking empire out of it. And she's very entertaining. I and think she's she, very smart. I read somewhere that her and Oprah are like comparable with their net worth. Well, Norm started bringing it up. He's like, we know you have Oprah money. No, I don't have Oprah money. I don't have Oprah money. No one has Oprah. And no Norm's delivery, he's, he's the best. He Bill really, Clinton killed the guy. He, Bill Clinton killed the guy. I still... That on the view the, is so funny. You know when you laugh so hard that you can't see light? Yes. That makes me laugh that hard. All right. So um, I had... Uh, <laughs> Wait, you know, we, did we did you do your albums? I did my albums. Let's. I have one more story for yeah. you, and then we'll jump into that, and then I'll probably wrap up after that. Um, so Amazon is going to be street, uh, doing the Thursday night football games for the rest of the season. I don't know if you're aware of this. Yeah, First all-female commentary team, Andrea Kramer, and um, I forgot the other one. Um, but I should know it. So if you're on Amazon <laughs> and you go to like the language, you know, you could change it to Espanol. Oh. It said did they English, English UK, they Spanish, and then it said Kramer. <laughs> the, the woman commentary team was an option. <laughs> like, the, the article that I saw, it says English, Spanish, women. What are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> But you know what? I know a lot of people that made me very happy because they didn't want to hear them, whether that's fair or not. But you can, you know, there is a demographic that does not want to hear women on commentary at all. And to be to be fair, I didn't think she was that bad. I think I, she was great. I I'm not going. I'm not going to. My her problem up. is, I have no problem with the female commentator doing the play-by-play, -play, but I do think you need a former player in there breaking down blocking assignments oh, and things that. like that. I think you lose a valuable commodity when you don't have a former player in there or coach. And you know the. What team has the first uh, female coach right now? Um, Spurs. No, in, there's a team of football that has a female assistant. Oh, um, I, um, think I think it's the Chiefs. It might be the Chiefs. Um, I, um, so if as long as it, I, I would want someone in there that has experience with play calling or scouting, there's there's got to be something like that because when you just have two color people. Oh shit! I know we know what you're saying. <laughs> I know. I just uh, a Cardinals, Cardinals, yeah, Cardinals. Got... Okay. When you have two uh, people that are just doing play-by-play, -play, you lose such a a valuable commodity into understanding the game and breaking it down. Like, I don't think Witten is very good, but when he's doing just the play breakdown, he says he articulates. I thought Witten was better a, than you did. I uh, I don't What's think. What's with me giving fucking Cowboys praise? This I show? don't think Witten is bad. I just think he's boring. I love Booger McFarlane. I'm. Gr I just wish I think Witten should be on the sideline and McFarlane should be 
up in the booth. Also, why is Booker McFarland? He's like always on like a cart or something. Well, like, because he's following the line of scrimmage, which I think is a really oh, cool is that idea. What he's doing? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. But I think he has so much charisma, Booker McFarland, and you could tell Witten is still uncomfortable. I do think he's going to get better because he is articulate. He he speaks very cleanly and he knows the game. Yeah, be- but the, there's just no energy. Like when you're Tony Romo, how much energy does Tony Romo like, have? At, okay, you know, Romo we- might be the best commentator I've heard. Period. Honestly, I love Romo. I think he's great. Again, um, again. Fucking a cowboy. Because I'm a Cowboys you're, fan, I guess. You're fucking a cowboy. <laughs> Broke um, back Ralph. Well, you know, remember when the Bucks... I'm, I'm a Milwaukee Bucks fan. And I yeah. wanted uh, Becky... Uh, I Becky her, Hammond. Becky Hammond. I want her as a coach. Not because she was a woman, because she literally worked with Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer. She knows a system that she can came work. from Pops. I said... That's a young team. They'll respect her. She's one of the sharpest minds in basketball. I, I think, I, honestly, I think she wouldn't be respected if she wasn't coming from the Popovich tree. I just well, think Popovich, yeah. if, if she'd come from Steve Kerr, not the same level of respect. No. Um, but the fact that you come from Popovich and you have that level of sustained success, that's why it would work. Uh, I agree with you there. So why don't we jump into, um, we talked about last week, yeah. our most influential albums, and we gave some general ideas. And I had a couple that got added and a couple that got removed. I, had, I actually had mine at 11 because I could not make a decision. And I also wrote down a couple honorable mentions that I don't want to go into detail on, yeah. but um, uh, I'm going to start out with my honorable mentions were uh, Pantera, Vogel, Display of Power, Corns, Follow the Leader, uh, Taking Back Sunday's Where You Want to Be, Silverstein's um, um, Shipwreck in the Sand, I love, Rob Zombie, Hellbilly Deluxe, Funeral for a Friend, Hours, uh, Lou Bega, a little bit of... Uh, uh, Eminem's Marshall Mathers LP was removed from my list. Thrice was removed from my list, and Ben Harper almost made my list. Did Did you find when you were doing your list that I've had a few albums on here? I was surprised I put on here. Um, nothing surprised me because these are albums that I know so deeply. So yeah, no, none of these are just like oh, I'm throwing this on here for the point of it. But there were a few. What I did with mine is I said. What are the albums that changed something the way I listen to music? Either opened up a new genre to me, yeah, or you know had an influence. I mean, you know, basically, you know, the basic shit. So there's a few albums on here that I wouldn't even say are amongst my favorites, but had an important event in my yes, life. Yes, that's fair. Would well, you have any honorable mentions you wrote down, like I did, or no? Like any that you know? <coughs> I didn't, didn't write them it? down. I had a few that I took off, but I can't think of them off the top of my head. All right. So do you want me to go first with my albums, or are, you want to go did first? Did you actually rank yours? I just did no. 11. I didn't rank. I just wrote them because I think it influence. You know, there's a difference between favorite album and influential, yeah. and I don't think influential should yeah, have a rank. Give me one. I'll give you one. All right. So my first one was uh, Slipknot's debut debut album, Slipknot. Yep. That was my first introduction to um, that kind of metal that just resonated with me when I started becoming like an angry young guy. I thought they were cool. Like you didn't see angry bands. young guy, yeah, angry young guy. They didn't have. There was only they had nine members, which was ridiculous. They wore crazy masks. Well, they have they, eight now. They no, they still have nine. Um, they oh well, yeah. Paul Gray died. Jerk off. Um, me I, or him? Uh, both of you. Um, so it just it spoke to me at that time. It was so much different and outside the box. I kind of love that my dad hated met- like screaming metal, so I made him listen to it all the time, and he grew to like it. Um, between songs like Wait and Bleed and Spit It Out and Eyeless, that album just did everything for me at the time. So what's one for you? Okay, mine is actually the most recent album released on here, Brand New Science Fiction. Okay. The reason I put this Pedo. on here is this was you one of... this out. This is about pedophilia. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have a good reputation. No. <laughs> My second most influential album is Gary Glitter. <laughs> but so the Fiance's Fair Band is brand new. And I liked Brand New, but I wasn't in that first wave Hardcore of, fans. Yeah, I, I they have a very passionate they, fan base. They still do, even yeah. with all... Yeah. So, brand new science fiction was released last summer, and that was the first time I listened to them as a new band. That this is a song that I, you know, 
That's their most recent, yeah. Most right? recent album. And, and Dejan Tindu is the general choice for brand new fans. Phenomenal album. I think it's their best. And it was the album that made me go, me and the fiance went, I get why you're a brand new fan now. This is a flawless album. Their best album. And probably their last album at this point. Yeah, say. I would say anything they release is probably going to be independently. Um, oh, no. they are, I think they said they're breaking oh, up. Oh, they're breaking up? But I they mean, always pull shit like yeah, that. Yeah, they're a bunch of pretentious douchebags. Um, even though they make good music, I'll tell you right now, you would hate this album. I've listened to science fiction. And I did oh, not. Did? I did not like it. I hated the opening song about the uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That's not, that's not the opening song. What uh, one of the songs? The, I just remember that's, that song. Uh, that's one three nine. I I hated that song. See, I, I just, like that song, but it, I I get why it you just, hate it. I feel that they're another one. Like I think even on the, the stuff by them, I do like. There's certain songs that like just sound like they're they're being too pretentious. Oh, you roll your eyes a lot. Yeah, they're very new. pretentious. Like I I feel like there's very few times they enjoy making their music. Um, um, so my next one, and I know you're going to disagree with me on this one, but uh, Pearl Jam's 10. Um, I can't disagree. They're your, your list. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, that album to me from start. It's Honestly, I like Pearl Jam. It's their only great album um, from start to finish. I mean, songs like Jeremy and Once. The song is just, the album is just hit after hit after hit. And even the stuff that wasn't like, didn't have music videos or got a ton of radio play, <laughs> people know the songs. They know Release. They know Oceans. Uh, everyone loves songs like Even Flow. I think you like one or two Pearl Jam songs if that I know you're not a fan that is not a lot but like like. Black is one of my like 10 favorite songs of all time Um, but specifically I love the acoustic version which obviously is not on this Uh, Pearl Jam 10 has to make the list that was an album that I played endlessly as a 10 year old probably so yay yay what do you got I got you've probably never heard of this Slint Spiderland Slit Slint oh S-L-I-N-T it's a woman's album so um Uh, there's not too much of uh, the weird, obscure, bullshit Ralph albums. This is one of them. Slint is an album which was released by the... Um, I mean, Spider-Land's a band really... Uh, okay, let's start over. This is You Watch, I Listen, episode 21. <laughs> We're going to start the whole episode again. Just make them listen through the first so, hour. <laughs> Slint is part of a post-rock scene where um, weird tunings, a lot of stretched out, kind of jagged overdubbing, the album is a weird-ass album, and okay. I actually hated it when I first heard it. But there's something about the album that, and everybody says this, you can't put your finger on it. It's creepy. The lead singer's voice cracks it, when he sings. It just strikes a chord with people. There's something about the album that I always go back to it. More importantly, though, it opened me up to post-rock, which okay. is one of the my favorite genres. Post-rock's very album-oriented. There's not a lot of hooks in it. It's long-flowing, not a lot of lyricism. And I did not... Jam band-ish, kind of. Jam band-ish, if... But not 10 minutes of just noise. Someone, um... (laughs) I hate jam. I know, me too. Somebody compared post-rock to its modern instruments playing classical music. And that's the best way to it. Extremely accurate. Slint's not a post-rock album, but it opened me up to those influences. So that's why I put it up there. And it's just an album that whenever I'm just feeling a little off and I can't put my finger it just, on it, it brings I you go back, back to, it. to it. So okay, so that, and, and going back to album cover, top five album cover of all time. Yeah, you judge album covers differently than I do. It's, I love I, album I think covers. it's cool, though. Um, so my next one, um, this is an album that I always go back to. And it's probably one of the albums I've listened to the most in my life. And that would be System of a Down's Toxicity. Um, I don't think there is a single bad song on this album. It's and I think you could album. argue that every song on it is at a minimum really good. And I would say probably great. From the opening track, Prison Song just punches you right in the fucking gut and then just goes from... The singles were great. Toxicity is a great song. Chop Suey is a great song. Ariel's is a great song. Uh, you got jump songs like uh, Bounce is a great song. 
Um, Psycho is a great song. Um, Toxicity, start to finish. Um, System of a Down. It at plays its best. like it plays like a greatest hits album. Yeah, it's just it's so good. There is not a song on there that you should skip over. And um, it was, I think, of that time frame of that um, when all those kind of like Mudvayne was big and all these metal bands were starting to become more mainstream. That is probably the best album. Not my favorite, but probably the best album. So Toxicity is definitely Toxicity on there. is my favorite yeah, and their best sure, album in my sure. opinion. Border on Bruce Springsteen. I knew you were going to. I had to on put there. a Bruce album on there, and I actually struggled to say which is. There's three I had up there: Nebraska, which is his folk album, which yep. was the first one I listened to, which is weird because it's his most um, divisive. Divisive. Um, Greens from Asbury Park, which was his first one and my favorite, but Born to Run is his best album. Everything that makes Bruce Bruce is on there. It's a short eight uh, eight song album. It goes from first song to last note. Not a single part of the album's wasted and it's what it's got a great me, album it, it's what kind of got me back into classic rock because i strayed away from classic rock for a while i got anytime i have a pretentious album it was during and the, i think with bruce the, got me back like, into knowing it your taste run. in music i think that the um bruce when he came on the scene had a different sound um he had you know saxophone players and all these different things and incorporated things like being almost experimental folk with, like, the with like yeah, folk lyrics yeah though. and but true storytelling as well and that you could tell that definitely influenced when your he, entire taste in music going there's forward there's a famous album cover of him on the time and it says the next Dylan with a question mark. Yeah, yeah, that's and a, they're wrong because he's better than Dylan. Was it the Times or was it uh, Rolling Stone? I don't remember. I think it was Times. You might be right. Why don't you look it up while I uh, go over the next one? So my next one. This is one that I forgot to mention last week, and it was shocking, and it has to be on there because it. As a child, this was my favorite artist by far. There's videos of me when I was little dancing, and they made. I, I was him for Halloween one year. Um, Michael Jackson's Thriller. Ooh. Um, I I don't know how that cannot be on my fit. Um, my influential album and I will say right off the bat the first song on the album is probably his worst song um, The Doggone Girl Is Mine with Paul McCartney is an awful song but then after that the album is just a fucking banger um, the product, Quincy Jones was the producer on it so the beats are fire and then just Billie Jean is one of my favorite songs of all time if I hear that at a wedding I'm out there dancing like an asshole and that better play at your wedding because that's what I need to hear every time um, I, I can't make a uh, thing with influential albums because I base my, my taste in almost all pop music going forward off what I think is probably the greatest pop record of all time and the most successful album oh, of all it, time in Thriller. Um, it's it, You could argue it is the most influential album since its release um, of any any genre. Honestly, when you look at how much it's sold and look at Justin Timberlake would not have a career. Those boy bands would not probably not have as, as much success if not for the success of Michael Jackson, of the Jackson 5. You can argue just him in general is the most influential musical figure between the Beatles and Elvis Presley. Yeah, no, I, yes. I have nothing to disagree. I wish I could say, no, you're wrong, but I agree entirely. Yeah, it's, it's got to be on there. Um, okay, my next one. An album I gave you earlier in the um, show. Not in the podcast. Like, Yeah, I know what you mean. Let's start over. This is You Watch, I Listen episode. <laughs> in the pit. Agalock the Mantle. Okay, yep, great album. The Mantle. Great album. Love metal. I already said that I thought about putting um, a Metallica album on there. There are a few metal albums that I heard before there. But that's the album that really opened me up to all the different types of metal. Yeah. Up to that point, I thought metal was thrash metal. Maybe like you Pantera, had like Slipknot, Slipknot type thing. And that's what opened me up to folk metal, um, power metal. New metal. Which I still don't like. You Rap know, rock metal. Glimp Biscuit. Agalock the Mantle, still one of my all-time, my all-time favorite metal album, bar none. 
and it opened me up to a world where I didn't even know that there were subgenres of yes, metal. Yes, that's and that that's a good one. To I've, have already, on I've already hyped it up enough. Previous show. All right, so my next one. Um, this one really shaped, um, kind of shifted my the way I listen to rock, metal, whatever you want to call it. Um, Tools, Anima, Anima, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, first off, if you like album art, Tool always has really cool album art. Um, but the opening track on this is a song that will get me hyped up like few others in Stinkfist, right, right off the bat. Um, That's the first song on the album. Yeah, the first yeah. song. just right. And I think there's so much you can define an album by, by the opening track and how it hooks you, which makes Thriller an exception because that opening track is terrible. <laughs> um, Tool, just the, the progressions in their songs, how one song could contain three different songs in itself in the breakdowns and how tight they are. And one of the few bands... That layered. Uses, yeah, they're layered. One, they're one of the few bands that the bass is the lead and not the guitarist. And the guitarist is great. Great. But then just Maynard's vocals are so good and how deep the uh, the songs go. The song Anima itself is one of their best songs. Um, talking about California sinking into the earth. It's just an amazing album. If you're a Tool fan, you go between Undertow and Lateralis. You can go, the only one that I wouldn't put on my favorite albums list 10, is 10,000 Days. I like 10,000 Days. It's just not on the same it's level. Not, it's not no. good. And then you hear Anima and Start to Finish is just a powerful, brilliant, brilliant album. Actually, I actually even mean to go on a tool kick because you know when you go into band kicks, I, that's, I, tool is one of those. When I listen to them, when I start, it's nothing but tool for months. So, all right, what do you got next? Um, this one I might be cheating a little, but I'm putting a compilation album. Okay, that's Beatles fine. one, Beatles one, and Beatles one. It's the best introduction to the Beatles. It is the best. If you want to get to any band, you always start with the greatest hits album. Sure, right? that's what sure. I think. You either start with. Their most popular and, album or the greatest. And hits. you got to think about when it was released. I think it came out in 99, Beatles mm-hmm. one. And we've definitely heard enough Beatles, both of us, because my parents were big Beatles fans. I'm sure yours listened to the Beatles at least a decent amount. You were familiar yeah, every, with everyone them. Everyone But to really dive in, and the, the great thing about the way that album was structured is the the tracks came up chronological. in chronological order. You so literally I, hear, that's a great, great choice. You hear you know where you go from, I want to hold your hand, to the bout of John and Yoko. You Long can, and winding road. It, um, it's up there with... Get back, like shit, like that. Get where, backs on there. Now, there's a few songs that aren't on there because yeah, they weren't singles. Course, like Strawberry Fields is it, on the 24, there. 24, 24 to 28 tracks on it. I yeah, think. it's something they gave you way more than what you paid but for it, back when you know, back when like getting like time album. No, off the you TV got was you a got CDs thing. from Columbia Music House is what you did. I remember when I signed up on that. And my dad's like, "Why am I getting charged for CDs?" And then he comes in my room and I just have stacks of douche. <laughs> douche yeah, exactly. Uh, that's a great choice. That's a really good one. I could have had that on mine just as easily. All right, so next one I have um, is Nine Inch Nails' Downward Spiral, um, another one that completely changed the way I heard music because I was strictly a rock person at this point, and in a lot of ways I still am, but it made me more open-minded to experimenting with sound and being um, talking about subjects and songs that maybe aren't necessarily common. Like, to have a song on TV that had this very controversial music video and the lyrics are, I want to fuck you like an animal. Like, when I was young, that Actually was... Actually, was just listening to that That, uh, that was cool, and that's one of my least favorite Nine Inch Nails songs. But from start to finish, it was either that or Pretty Hate Machine, which may be the better album. And even just as easily, The Fragile could have been on there because that's when I really started to dive into Nine Inch Nails. But The Downward Spiral from Piggy, um, it's just a, it's a great, great album. Um, start to finish so I, I don't disagree yeah it has to be on there Kanye my beautiful dark twisted fantasy that's when I had a hard time leaving off all time fa- my well, favorite Kanye album too there's two albums that are both of them are on this list I have two albums that whenever I'm ranking my rap albums and rap is of all the genres I go down the least with it no I'm good um, I was handing my penis <laughs> 
good one. That's my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. <laughs> I think it is by far. It is up there with the most perfect album made. You, it's long, which you know how much I hate but long. There's albums, no bad songs, but at no point does it drag. Every opening note, track just kicks you out for the tone of the album. Every note, every lyric, everything in there was precisely put in there. It's almost somebody wrote it that it's the way that a. Um, uh, I think Renaissance it, era painting is where yeah. you know that every little thing in there was done for uh, a reason. The album has a great arc too because it, the way it starts out with the song "My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy" with the piano going, and then it just, then it gets kind of heavier, and then it goes right back. Can we get much higher? And then you get to songs like "Runaway." You never which, know. Runaway is next. like a very emotional song about how his own insecurities and why he can't keep relationships. And you go to a song like "Monster," which is just a in-your-face motherfucker, where Nicki Minaj crushes. Arguably all-time great rappers. It, it is the greatest guest spot. And I know yeah. this is controversial. I think it's the greatest guest spot on any rap song I, ever. I agree. I, I love that album. So that's a great choice. Yeah. Um, which is The only rap album I had in my top 10 is Nas's Illmatic. Um, it, it did more to influence how I felt about rap. Because before that, I my real... I, I heard my brothers listen to rap. I liked like NWA, but the first one that made me like sit there and dig it when I heard the opening track on Illmatic, New York State of Mind, with that beat, and I was just in and hearing the stories. He wrote that when he was 17 years old, and just a kid on the streets in Queens hustling and knowing, you know, that's really his only great album. He has other stuff I like, but. From start he, to finish, he always gets shit that he never was able to repeat. Illmatic, no shit. Stillmatic's a great album. He has other good albums, but f- as far as being perfect, Illmatic. They got songs like "Life's a Bitch," which is more like a lighthearted, like a stoner song. Um, it's "The World Is Yours" is a great song. Kind of reminds me of Scarface, because um, obviously the famous sign "The World Is Yours." Um, Illmatic to me is it's my favorite rap album of all time. It's the only one on my list. I actually feel bad because I I love Illmatic. Yeah, but I don't put it up there. With any all the other rappers, yeah. For one reason, I came into it late, so it didn't have the influence, and that's a tough rap album where I don't think it. I don't want to say it didn't age well, but it was an album for its time. And if you didn't yeah, experience it at when it came, I got to experience it like because it came out what year? Ninety four. Ninety four. I was older the first time I heard it. I just remember hearing that song and asking my brother like, "What is that?" And I, he had like cassette. It had to be like ninety seven, and that was like the first time I really started to fall in love with rap. It, it's one of those albums where I will never appreciate it the way it should be, yeah. and I, and I can't do anything. It, about sometimes it. that's just when it comes out. So what do you got next? Um, a band you've probably never heard of. It's actually, and I know hyperbole my all-time favorite album it's called pure reason revolution the dark third okay pure reason revolution is a weird british the only way i can describe it is pink floyd meets um mm. zeppelin okay I, I don't know it's 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 a there's a lot of synthesizers in it but not like cut copy synthesizers yeah. like I've a little, little more electronic. They blend harmonies like the beach boys with guitar solos and things like the albums all over the place I've played this album for everyone. No one likes it the way I do. People don't get it. I don't understand why I like it. All I know is whenever I rank my favorite albums, it's, it's always, always number there. one. And it opened me up to a lot of post... Uh, not post-rock. I already said that. Um, uh, neo-progressive okay. music. N- neo-progressive. Neo-Nazi progressive music? Neo-Nazi <laughs> progressive, yeah. That is a... It's just Rammstein. <laughs> no, you know what a, neo, a progressive neo-Nazi is? No one. Yeah, exactly. Progressive neo No, that, that was an episode of Chappelle's show when America was split into gay America and straight yeah. America, and the, the gay clan was wearing Wait, pink robes. Always, 
Or not, it's always Chappelle's uh, show, excuse uh, sorry, me. Uh, yeah, my bad. I'm, I'm just watching It's Always um, Sunny a lot. All right. Progr- uh, progressive music is corny. It really yeah, is. Yeah, it is. And but it can be really good, too. This album straddles that line between corny and great. I'm probably never going to give you this album because I know you would hate it. But I'm getting to the point where I'm going to start giving you like bad movies just for bad reviews. Like I, I know, like I think that's fun. I, I see. If I gave you this one, even though I know you'd hate it, I get, I, I'd, I'd have to debate you on, it and I don't want to get that, into yeah, that. Yeah, I don't want to justify why I love this well, album. I, the difference is like movies and music. I think it's like when you like a movie, you have to understand that there's going to be people that don't like it. There's like all time great movies that people don't like, but with music. It's way more of a feeling than movies are, depending on who you are. Like movies, I get very submer. I get they're submersive to me. I like diving into it, so I do have more of a connection. But with music, it. So I know people don't like Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, which is amazing to me. But it's a matter of what you hear and what you feel when you hear it. The, you know how you always say an album captures a feeling. Yes, this is a very and I, they did it on purpose. A very sterile album. Okay, it's a very clean album. Like, like you, sterile. But um, <laughs> good one. All right. So um, it, it's a, it's a Ralph <laughs> album. I don't think anyone I, else, I, I no one else can get it. Okay, that's cool. The though. fiance listens to it. She's like, I don't get it. All right. So um, the next song, next album on my list um, is the album that made me want to follow on my father and my brother's footsteps to be a bass player was uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic. Yeah. Um, arguably their best album. I think people will argue between that and Californication are the two most commonly mentioned. The two most commercially and critically successful. Um, just right off the bat, the opening song is what like I heard that. Bass Baseline. I was like, I want to play like that, and that's uh, Power of Equality. Like right off the bat, it's like a light sounding, and then you just hear that bass line drop. I actually was just listening to this album it's, on Thursday. It's great. Yeah, start to finish, I think might be their best song on the album, uh, best song in general. I think Breaking the Girl is just an amazing song. You got the little flutes in the background that sounds almost like Renaissance-ish. Um, the drumming is just all over the place. The time signatures, and then um, you know, it, between their best songs, the, their best song might be Soul to Squeeze, and that's not even on one of their albums. It's the Conehead soundtrack. Um, but it, it sounds like a blood sugar sex magic song but then their biggest hit is probably Under the Bridge and that's on there and that's one of my least favorite songs of theirs but you can't deny the the impact of that song and that album yeah yeah. it's um, just great I think it's a Chili Peppers at their best um, I, as I, much as I like the newer stuff it's just when they were I think when they hit their stride, like when they finally got running, because they had good albums before that. Mother's Milk was all right. They had decent stuff, but the second the Hill Slovak stuff is it's a it's a little hard to get yeah, into. Yeah, but the to second less. they jump in and like their big their first big hit was like Give It Away, and they just do 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 gone gone. Yeah, and Blood Sugar Sex Magic has to be on my list. Um, did you actually listen to their? I think we talked about this on a previous show. Their newest album. I loved it. I thought, I it, was thought great. it was really completely different style. Yeah, that, that opening, um, the first song on that, the um, Dark Necessities, is a great song with the piano playing mm-hmm. and Flea playing piano. Flea went to Juilliard just like four years ago and graduated. Uh, he's uh, incredibly talented. He's a huge asshole. Is he? Oh yeah, no. He's I, got I love that about him. He did the voice on the Wild Thornberries of Donnie. He did the, Donnie. He also was a nihilist from um, yeah, the Big Lebowski. He was in uh, Back to the or he was in uh, Back. back to the future. future yep you're right all right what do you got next we I got, got right to our last this is your third uh i actually th- put 11 on here because okay. I, I couldn't so that's fine i have one more i gave honorable mention so, so that's okay jizza liquid oh, swords great album great it, album i always go between that one and kanye as my favorite rap album completely different style where sure. Kanye's sure. overproduced it's you know uh renaissance and he's got layers and stuff it's just a gritty rap album it's almost the equivalent of I feel like the offspring where there's imperfection in, yeah. in it and that adds to the mythology. Absolutely. It's got Fourth Chamber, which is in my opinion, and I will debate anyone to the floor, the greatest rap song ever made. Yeah. And I, and, I, and if you have the greatest rap song ever made, you have one of the greatest 
album. I agree completely. That is a phenomenal album. Um, so I'm down to my last two. Um, I had to put this one one on there because when you're because so as much as the Chili Peppers influenced me to want to be a bass player and Fleas play one and two, that's a very big. Uh, you're di- diving right into the deep end if you're trying to play bass like that. So the one band as a teenager or a kid of the '90s, um, early 2000s, you play Green Day and Dookie has to make the list as far as influential I don't know how I can leave it off I mean because you feel Mike Drint is a very good bass player but it's not overly complicated because punk rock has a very specific bass sound but you hear a bass line like Longview and it's so iconic and it's cool because you feel more involved and then you just pick up things like She is a really cool bass line um, it's Dookie just it did so much for musicians of the 90s and 2000s you, you first, one of the first songs you learned like I said was Brain Stew because it's easy well Brain Stew's not on there no. I know but I'm just saying Green Day when I come around, was yeah. The first when I come I around, learned. and that has a really cool bass line. It's very simple. It's just a bunch of um, finger rolls, and uh, it, it's just it's a great album. Um, I Dookie, I think, is one of, probably one of the top ten albums of the '90s in general. Oh, I would say so. Dookie has to make my list. All right, and my next one is Green Day Dookie. Is it really? Yeah, that's great. So, I, <laughs> um, everything that you said to this day. It doesn't matter how long I go. If you put that on, I still know oh, every I, word. And you jam out. Song. You fucking love it, man. I think Burnout may be Great. their most un, unheralded song ever. Agreed completely. The album completely... Great album cover. Great, Great album cover yeah. with all the chaos yeah. and the dogs dumping... I, I had the shirt with the fucking turd on it, the Dookie <laughs> shirt. I actually want one of those again. It almost... It's very similar to Beatles, Elvis. You had grunge, and then you had pop punk. Yeah. Because Kirk Cobain dies, Nation Needs Something, here comes Green Yeah, Day. you could say that Dookie is like their never mind of that whole genre, oh, yeah. I would say. It, um, it just... It started a generation of pop absolutely. punk, you know, lawyers, anti-culture. Fully inspired Blink-182's breakthroughs, um, mainstream success as well. Um, So, I obviously, I agree with you. And my last one, this one is a bit of a curveball, and this is the one that... um, <laughs> it, I, I left... I put Ben Harper, uh, Welcome to the Cruel World, off my list. I love that album. It did a lot to influence the kind of songwriting I like. Um, but the one I have to put on there is Jeff Buckley's Grace. Um, is I, I, To me, one of the most powerful albums of all time, with arguably the greatest cover of all time in Hallelujah. Okay. Even if it's... Oh, I thought you meant the album No, cover. no, the song Hallelujah is one of the all-time great cover songs, and I don't think anyone has done it better than Jeff Buckley, just capturing... Uh, taking a different spin on it, making this raw, powerful like Endgame song out of it and it's um it just start to finish it's a shame that he didn't really get to have a long career because the the songwriting and the structure and his voice it's just a, a beautifully powerful album so I had to put Jeff David Buckley Bowie said that if he went to Desert Island that would be the album he bought it's, he said it's, it's the most perfect and that's album. coming from Bowie. Bowie I I would agree um I have a friend that lives in uh the um in Long Island that I, I know from my from K1 forums um, Keith is his name and I knew Grace pretty well but he he's a very intelligent person on music and he said go back and listen to it because you'll see what I mean about this album being like one of the most important best albums of that era and I listened to it like with just like my soul was it was shortly after my dad passed so I was a little raw emotionally and the album just it, it struck a nerve even though I always liked it that I realized like this is why I, I tend to li- like music where I can feel what the artist is feeling when they write it you know what's weird about that when an album because he, he I think it was the only album he yeah, released his, his only, I mean he died very shortly after yes. he released it is when albums like that get released there's a weird thing where it sounds like they're singing 
from Beyond the Grave. Yeah. That it sounds like he was already oh, dead when he. Well, wrote. I I mean, it's so cliche to say Hallelujah is amazing, but when you hear his voice on that, oh, just, the opening, his voice the, bre- cracks. The, the breathing in the beginning, like where you can see, like he's like, this is going to be hard for me to do. Um, it's just uh, the song almost like unravels as it goes, but it, like he's doing his best to keep. I'm it getting together. chills talking about no, it right I, now. It's a, it's just a beautiful song. Actually, beautiful there, album. there was a good chance that I would have put that yeah, on there. Um, I didn't great, even think. Great of album. It. it was really hard because I Ben Harper might be my favorite songwriter ever. Um, but this album uh, tops any Ben Harper album. No, no disrespect. So, what's your last two? So I got two. I got Oakerville River, uh, Black Sheep Boy. Okay. Oakerville River is a folk band out of Texas. Uh, a lot of country influence, and this album. You told I, me about this actually. I yeah. love this. I love this album originally. Now that I go back to it, I kind of think it's a little corny and it's a little melodramatic. Okay. I think a lot of bands do it better than them, specifically Blitz and Trapper, which is one of my all-time yeah, favorite bands. Talk to me You're going to get some Blitz and Trapper in the future. Sure. But Okerville River was the one that got brought me into that folk world, and I do think there's a strong... There's something to say about that. Even if an album hasn't aged well, that there was a time in your life where that album was really important to me, and I, I kind of I, have a I little nostalgia man. for that. I, I get it. There's some great songs on it. There's a lot of shit on it. Sure. They're a band that they just release a, um, a list of songs and they'll try to tie them together but it doesn't always just work. doesn't work yeah and what's your last one number one album by far the most influential album my la- so you life. did rank them no no this was the but only it's one. just the one you could say it's the most this was the first okay, one i thought gotcha, when I did. gotcha arcade fire funeral okay i know the you greatest album released in my lifetime one of the greatest albums ever released when you talk about an album where I've never heard it, it I don't know if it's your type of music. It probably is. Everything I think I've you heard, respect it, though. I, everything I've heard from Arcade Fire, I don't think it was bad. It just didn't necessarily click with me, but I've heard nothing but great things about this album. This album, all the band members, and they have, they're like Slipknot. They have like 12 people yeah. in the band. The majority of them had significant deaths around recording this album, and you can hear it. That's why they okay. call it Funeral. That, that is actually Grandmothers cool. died. Parents died. Brother died. Friends, just, significant there's others. There's something in there. Every cats. song, it goes from... there's. There's two types of concept albums. There's a concept album where it's an overlying story and there's just repeating themes. And Arcade Fire Funeral has a lot of loss of innocence, childhood gone, I get what you're nostalgia, saying. corrupting what you remembered. And the first time I heard this album, I felt like I knew it my entire life. And I can't say that about a lot of albums. I'll have to check I that got one out. I'll wait for you to give it to me. I'll give it to you one time. Um, if it, I uh, think you'll, I don't know if you'll like it, but you'll go. I get it. Well, that's the thing, and um, obviously, I do respect your your taste in music doing this show because you've given me way more stuff I like than dislike. Um, you know, it's I would say it's probably been about like seventy thirty on the stuff I've yeah. disliked. Um, and if it means that much to you, I'm interested to see what like you find your most influential. So after what, after a Halloween do. month, I'm very interested. That's to what hear I did with uh, Tragic Kingdom because yeah. Tragic Kingdom to me didn't mean a lot, but I like that it meant something to someone that meant a lot to me. And I meant, think she doesn't mean a lot to you anymore. Meant. <laughs> Last she's, summer she did. Since she's then, gone. She she's gone. Days. She might be dead. All right, so we went through um, our ten influential albums. I'm going to throw you another curveball. I think I like this theme. Um, we did it for I listen next week. Movies. Ten most influential movies. I don't know um, if I've ever seen ten movies. <laughs> You've, we've done 21 episodes. <laughs> and I've read 21 Wikipedias. <laughs> Number one most influential, Draft Day. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to do that next week. 10 most influential uh, movies. Then we can even do TV shows and video games. I actually like this theme. Yeah. Um, so let's get into our hot takes. Uh, do you want to go first? Do you have one ready? I don't actually have a hot take, but there is something I do want to say. Sure. Today is my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, um, Ralph Sr. I think he's 65 today. And 
My dad puts up with a lot of shit. Yeah, look at you. Uh, you don't raised you. <laughs> literally shit. Yeah, it's literally shit. He's, he's birthed a lot of shit. And <laughs> I just want to say, my family, we had the strangest conversations. So yesterday I went over to my parents' house. We had birthday dinner for my dad. We had memories. You know, we have a little tradition. Watch some stuff. info wars. We watched some info wars. We all uh, got <laughs> our prep. You guys made some frogs gay. <laughs> we got our prep kits ready for when the Civil War comes. And yesterday, my parents, my sister and I, described what we want done with our remains and that's the uplifting conversation my that's an interesting combo so, so i said what i want done and my family went no we're not doing that i'm like one you're hopefully you're dead by the time i die hopefully yeah and two it's not your choice it's my choice. yeah my remains when i go i literally want to just be thrown in the water i just want to be fish food just throw me in the trash just throw me in the trash um, I want to go to side of the mountain, leave me there for birdseed. I just want to be returned back to nature. I want my shitty ass body to just Would be Would you do one of those things that's like, um, where you could be buried under a tree and then you grow into yes, a tree? Yes, I actually do. That, that is interesting. I just fucking cremate me and then dump my ashes on a child. I don't care. I hate. Just <laughs> <laughs> see some kid and be like, here's Dan. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> just dust right in the face. <laughs> Like, what are you going to say? I, I want my, I want the fiance, or no, the, sorry, the landlord to have to sleep with my remains every single night of her life. If she finds love again, that the new loved one has to eat my ashes so that I am always being carried. Um, that's where I'm going. Frankly, I really don't give a shit what you do with my body. I do not want to be buried because there's something weird about like knowing that your body's being, I mean, not, whatever you believe, I, I, that weirds me out and I believe in zombies and shit. So that's, you know, I don't believe in conspiracy theories, but yeah, zombies are real. What an asshole I am. Um, I, I think it's a cool conversation to have with your family because you could see the different levels of morbidity between like, each I'll, members of I'll the go, family. I'll go through all of them. My mom just wanted a traditional funeral. She Buried, mausoleum, whatever. Somewhat religious. She's not, you know, a holy roller. Yeah, but she wants a traditional, like, Catholic funeral week. My dad wants to be blasted into space. That, I think, is cool. When my mom looked at the price, said no. (laughs) You should just put a cinder block on your dad's legs and put him at the bottom of your pool. Um, (laughs) My sister wanted to, her energy to return to nature. She didn't actually give it. And Felix said, I don't give a shit. So I'm like Felix in that regard. (laughs) I just want something weird to be done with me after I die. But, you know, I don't like when people say, well... No, well, that's weird. Could you it's drop your my, last remains. Can you drop my body to a cannibalistic tribe? Would that be acceptable? Would yeah, they eat dead know. meat? Okay, cool. So that's your. No, hot I'm gonna take. do it when you're alive. Okay. No, 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 no. When you're dying, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna break it with lesions. Like, I'm gonna break you out of hospice care. Introduce AIDS to this tribe. <laughs> the year, the year will be uh, what's it's 2018. So in 2024, I'll take your body out of hospice. If that's all the time I have, that sucks. We're gonna we're gonna at least get to 300 episodes by then. The 300th episode is my death, <laughs> euthanasia. All right, so you drink poison on the air, and the sounds just you gurgling. You poisoned. I laugh. Is the name of the show? The show's called Death Rattle, Death Wish. <laughs> All right, so my hot take. Um, we posted this on the Facebook page. Um, after 45 years, HBO boxing is coming to an end. I have never known a uh, time in my life where HBO boxing was not a thing. Um, before the UFC was a, a regular thing. Before the UFC was a thing, my dad, my brother, my mom, um, uncles, they would watch HBO boxing on Saturday nights. You'd go to someone's house that had one of the illegal cable boxes and watch the pay-per-views on HBO boxing. Um, I mean, HBO now is synonymous with uh, quality television programming more than anything but for a long time it was boxing 
And it's boxing in uh, first-run movies. Yeah, exactly. Um, and now it's coming to an end. And HBO boxing has been on the downslide for a while. Showtime boxing has been highly superior. But the idea... I honestly didn't even know HBO still had boxing. Yeah, it's it, well, that's because all the big names left, and they went to like Showtime, Mayweather, uh, Pacquiao. They all went over there. And um, Larry Merchant, one of the, the names synonymous with it, Jim Lampley, um, Harold Letterman were the names that were most common with it, had a, a great quote about the end of HBO boxing um, that I wrote down, and it's, um, once upon a time we were a promising kid, then a challenger, then a champion, a great champion, a longtime champion, then a has-been who finally retired. Amen. So long, champ. That's Larry Merchant who told Floyd Mayweather if he was 30 years younger, he'd kick his ass. One of the great moments of all time. So um, as someone that grew up with boxing in my life, my dad did gold glove boxing, my brother, my uncles. It's just been around forever. My grandfather boxed in the military. Um, it's just a, a strange time. And I think my, if my dad were around, he would have been sad to see it go. Um, so it's uh, it's a little weird. It's like a part of your well, childhood. Maybe you should support it better. Like you gave me that shit for each uh, Toys R Us. What? Remember oh, yeah. Toys R Us one? And you went. Well, I, if you missed too much, I still watch HBO boxing. When's you the last time you paid for HBO boxing? Pay per views, Le legally or illegally? Uh, point. That's my point. Um, within the last year, definitely. Um, it's. <laughs> you know what? The other day, I was actually looking for um a toy for uh, my niece and nephew, and I couldn't find Flashlight. one. And I said, Yeah, I was gonna get. <laughs> And I was in one. Target. I said, I wish there was just a place where they specialize in toys and maybe... It's, this is it's an untapped true. market. I, I, I don't disagree there. I think that that's unfortunate for kids that they're not going to have I, I th Honestly, I think a big company in a few years is going to buy Toys R Us, the branding, and they'll be back. Smaller stores. I, I just don't know if there's a market for it anymore. Because the reason they went out was because of Amazon. Like, it's just people don't go to, like, Best Buy, Target, Walmart, are all going to go by the wayside. That's why there's so many supermarkets in these places But that's now. why I'm saying, if you go smaller and... Like a uh, KB Toys kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think the Toys R Us brand is going to be resurrected in some way. Because it's such an iconic brand. I, th I hope for kids because it's it'd be nice to get kids. There is something about going to a toy store. Even Hell that, yeah. I did it as a teenager. We would go to the mall and, and then we would still go to Toys R Us ride the bicycles around the store and shit. It was fun. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. So, all right. We went pretty long on this one. I had a lot of fun. Um, so, this is episode 21. A shout out to Mitchell George on Twitter. Guy that I've been chatting with. He's been very supportive of the show. Um, again, shout out to Lobo Sound. Lobosound.com slash Bobo EP. Um, leading up to the Bobo. Christmas album and um, a shout out to Fudge and Finn's hashtag shots for like podcast quick, yeah I got a thing I want to do at the end of the story I'm going to just read the quick stories that we didn't get to sure. that you'll never hear what um, our thoughts so, are about so um, I'm just going to say goodbye now goodbye for Dan on you watch I listen goodbye for Ralph um, go ahead and close out these this stories is Ralph, we'll this is what you missed Megan Merkel closed the door and social media went nuts Post Malone smells like milk and multi cheese because he's possessed because he's possessed and a soapbox dirty put a ramp and a bunch of kids got injured bye bye